I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of More Talk, Less Action. <laughs> the show where we try and talk about talky films from the 20s and 30s, but never really talk about 80s action movies. <laughs> I am your host, Bickle Mreslin. <laughs> to my left is... Canned soil. <laughs> and to my right... Fliegedostrum, Basen. <laughs> I was being the Sims. <laughs> Um, do you want to explain that shit? <laughs> no, I think I'll leave that one to you, Mickey. Explain why. <laughs> um, in case anyone is confused, uh, this week we were in the local paper. Woo! Celebrity motherfucker! <laughs> Second time, you know, don't worry, brag, but... But, uh, was recognised and everything, the shop was burning. <laughs> I, by that fucking... That 70-year-old woman with her finger on the pulse. Yeah. <laughs> You've obviously had the, the nucleus of dairy. She actually stepped on my foot, it was weird. <gasps> But, she, she um, was trying to be close to you. I, no, she was. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I know we were in the paper. They did an article about the, the Bennigan's Film Club that we do and just kind of saying that we do it and saying how it's a great thing and whatnot. But they they mentioned, because it's me, Shan, and Colm that run the film club, and they mentioned that we also do a successful podcast called More Talk, Less Action. <laughs> <laughs> Which, the the person that wrote this is the person that wrote the article about the podcast when it was in the papers. So. Yeah, so obviously he really didn't give a fuck about the podcast whatsoever. Clearly he doesn't listen to the podcast. Obviously it was, it was clearly just an assignment from. But yeah, oh, it was funny. But what happened, I mean, the, the thing I didn't get when I was told about this typo, more talk, less action... It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like the fucking. I mean, like, well, I mean, is, le- less talk, more movies doesn't make much sense either. <laughs> it well, it doesn't. Uh, no, because it's. I actually, I'm just realizing that now. Like, less talk, more movies is the complete opposite, opposite. of what we do. Eh? I yeah. thought you knew that. That's like it was like. It's yeah, it's ironic. Cool, like, of course, <laughs> of course, we knew, Kima. And this, it's all based on this is like an ode to Alanis Morissette, right? Of course, this I am. I'm here. Well, this whole like, <laughs> the past fifty-one weeks, this podcast has all been building up just as a sort of. I think as a, not just like a, an audio sort of alter the Alanis Morissette is not what we're always going for. I mean, sure, next week she's going to be on. I mean, that was the big announcement we were going to do at the end of the show. Well, you just spoiled it. It's bad. Alanis coming next week. She probably won't come on now because you spoiled it. Wouldn't that be ironic? <laughs> it wouldn't be. No. Like, come on. <laughs> Much like her song. <laughs> 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 it's not ironic. It's just bad luck. But yeah. then, since we've been named in the paper, more talk. Less action, is it? Yeah, more talk, less action. More talk, less action. We're thinking now then of, should we just kind of make the podcast solely dedicated to maybe just having high-fluting conversations about things that aren't involving action movies? Yeah. 
Just but very sophisticated cinema. Like, so should we just become the Guardian podcast? Yeah. I'll just, I'll so, just go now. <laughs> <laughs> so essentially we're going to become Sight and Sound now. The Sight and Sound Forum. Sight and Sound Podcast. Do they have a podcast? We could probably steal that on them before I'm they sure do. they have a podcast. <laughs> I don't know. And I've never seen it. I doubt very much we're qualified enough to be in their podcast. I'm trying to think too what we start off with. If we are going to get very refined and maybe start talking about European cinema. Let's talk about wrestling. Actually, no. Let, let, let's talk about Italian neorealism. And how it uh, showed Italy uh, after the destruction of the World War Two. I'll leave that one to you, Mickey. Get started. <laughs> um, the thing with Italy, right, is it's, everything's really old anyway. So they didn't really notice. They didn't notice that their whole, their whole country was toppled by war. Because yeah. like, everything's ruins and all over. I don't know. Do you know what's strange? I know I'm going off topic. My nipples have been very hard all day. <laughs> and I have no idea why. I'm not quite sure Just if... Just sheer excitement about doing the podcast. But do you know what the thing is? I'm not even aroused. You know what I mean? I'm not even... <laughs> like, I mean, like if you were walking about with hard nipples and you were horny, like, that's fine. Because I was even walking through Tesco earlier on and I was walking... I was Because I wasn't even walking past like the freezer section or anything. Like, so it wasn't even cold. I was like, why... <laughs> I was like, why the fuck are my nipples so hard? I, I don't know. I think as an after, because I've been like really sick all week, as you know. But uh, I'm thinking as an after effect, as like, is that the last part of the influenza trying to leave my body? I've never through heard my nipples. sickness making your nipples Sickness hard. nipples? Sickness nipples. Sick nipples. But that Was the security boy following you about thinking you're stealing Tic Tacs? <laughs> stealing two single beans. Yeah. <laughs> Two I'm never beans. Caught. <laughs> I crave the chase. Your t-shirt turning orange. And all. <laughs> Just pour the beans down my tab. No one will notice. <laughs> Actually, we got on the revelation before we started here. I said the one thing I really don't like, or not don't like, but I feel guilty about is if you're going shopping and before you've actually paid for your shopping you start like eating or drinking and stuff, which I find awkward. Kiva just admitted she does that all the time. She loves it. Yeah, but I mean... Like, I heard that you shouldn't shop on an empty stomach. And every time I go shopping, or maybe it's swimming. Anyway, right? <laughs> every time I go, I'm hungry. So I think I'm, I need to have like a yop or something, you know, because <laughs> then I'll just, because that's like a drink. Plus, it's, it's a yogurt. It's a yeah. yogurt. And then I won't fill the, the basket with like random shit just because I'm hungry. I do that anyway. Um, I did that so much today. Yeah, but you can't. Then you can't go to self-service checkout with your empty yacht bottle. Why is that? It doesn't weigh enough. And oh. then they come over and like, be all, why are you trying to bring that on? <laughs> just, just, just put everything through as carts and then the weight doesn't matter because that measures the weight and but charges you. But, but that's it even could, more lying. No, because hey, it could work out cheaper depending on the weight. Do you know what I always thought as well, like in Tesco and these supermarkets, you know the way now, since the dawn of self-service and all that stuff, it's far easier to steal stuff. If you were a bad person, you could have free shopping every week. It's so because, I mean, there's nobody to kind of stop you and you just kind of slide out the side of the fucking, what do you call those things? The siren things? Uh, uh, no, they just, they go off no matter what way you, you know. No, not if you go to the side and you're not in between them. I bought like a... No. <laughs> Please believe. They work, they work both ways, do they not? No, I don't think so. I think they do. I think, you have to, I think both sirens have to hit you. Either way, I'm not, I'm not a thief. I'm not a common criminal. Well, but it's no. funny you bring that up because... This week I had the revelation because I'm kind of skint. I think I'm just going to start shoplifting. <laughs> <laughs> Mickey, I've been the doll for nine weeks. I might try and Because uh, I'm not going to lie, it's been something that I've been thinking about quite a bit recently. <laughs> but oh, I may become a shoplifter. <laughs> specifically, I was thinking, how could I shoplift PlayStation games? <laughs> 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 because they always have like wee security tags and stuff on them. Well, but... see, well, I don't know if Tesco's or... is working. 
because I bought like a lunchbox. Uh, no, sorry, like a lunch bag. That's like a it's it's class. It like keeps your stuff cool. So if you put like a cold drink and oh, sandwich, it like keeps it cool. Very cool bag. And uh, I was all lured, and maybe we lunch, and I was going to bring it to work, and I couldn't bring it because it had the fucking security tag on it. So it looked like <laughs> I'd stolen it, but no, like alarm went off when I left. There you go. See, I think sometimes there's there for show, Mickey. Well, also, can I can I backtrack one minute? Uh, when I said that. I was thinking about becoming a shoplifter. That is a lot of to keep me alive so I can afford to buy food. I'm not on board with you staying in PlayStation games because that, that's Why not an essential. Why have got loads of money? I know, but, but, it's a, <laughs> but that's not a necessity, Michael. You don't need that to love. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I have money to love. I don't have money Ooh. to party. Check you out. Have a money to love. <laughs> Ooh, don't lord it over me, Michael. <laughs> excited danger bottle is when we buy a alcoholic drink for around five pounds i think we're gonna have to sack the five pound limit because i think we've no, we've hit the all the cheap things that are around the fiver that we that's available in there. My, my prophecy has come true I, I, <laughs> I, I warned you about this at least eight weeks ago that we were quickly running out of the five pound bottles yeah what do you think of some new like can't just be any bottle of anything. There has to be some kind of yeah. yeah. We, have to, we should theme Incentive. it every week. A theme it every week. Did you get it this week? No, I thought you got it. No, <gasps> no danger mm. bottle. Thank fuck. <laughs> no, top, have some water. Top drawer. <laughs> top drawer. There, Shanko. Top drawer. Okay. Oh my god. <laughs> Are you for real? Yeah. <laughs> danger bottle this week is a very common blue WKD. <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> you must be skint, Mickey. <laughs> This I is know, like, I, I nicked that. <laughs> this, is like, this is not like two fifty or something. Nah, there's there's another there's another ingredient. There is another. There is another. There's another ingredient. What give, is it? Give Kiva a straw then. Oh, I you want a straw? What color straw? Would you like Kiva? Would you like orange, green, purple, or yellow? I would say that's more of a magenta. I'll show. have um, mm. I'll have one orange and one green. Ooh, nice wee Irish woman. Right, shit, shit. Ooh. There you go, dear. Thank you very much. No problem. What's the orange ingredient for this WKD? Alright, I'm, I'm getting things No, ready. no, I don't like wooden. <laughs> I'm going to mix topaz and WKD. Ah, so like, you're not. <laughs> no, so you. I commonly call it WKD, as I'm sure we all do, but like, people call it wicked. Like, yeah. like not like, like are you well, supposed to call it wicked? No, I don't nah, think so. Nah, it's supposed to be WKD. I but think. like, that's why it's called WKD, because it's, yeah. it's, it's wicked, mate, isn't it? Because it's supposed to stand for wicked, but I don't think you call it wicked. All oh, right, okay, so it is actually supposed to mean wicked because I always wonder yeah. what WKD is to. <laughs> I know it's supposed to be. Why did you think people called it wicked then? Uh, no, just because it looked like wicked. But I thought WKD stood for like a fucking company name or something like that. No, it's just wicked. Wicked smart. All right, fair enough. Then. Do you know what? Even though it's absolutely crawling with sugar and it's obviously something that you would drink when you're 15, 16 when you're first getting into the old boozing, it has the blue one. It's quite refreshing. I like I like it's I like the bubble gummy taste of it. You know how they make it not refreshing? No. <laughs> you add red aftershock. Whoa! To it. I love this. <laughs> I love this. What you say? One of my favorite drinks. Yeah. Purple haze. Purple haze. Purple haze. Purple haze. <laughs> Keep you gonna work at seven. <laughs> I know. I've, I went. To, I, I got the. <laughs> <laughs> I went. I went. Phone them now. <laughs> Get ahead of the game. Phone work and say you won't be on this evening. I went into the off license, right, and I was asking the boy, like, oh, do you have anything about weird or just on a bit different? And his first suggestion was, 
Uh, you know what I was doing recently? Uh, drink, <laughs> drinking vodka with pineapple. Is <laughs> 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 all their math for it in the bar? <laughs> you know. <what> I mean? <laughs> You're really not going to be used to me. Are you? <laughs> uh, you're really not a forward thinker. But like, then he pu- he pulled purple haze out his ass, and I was like, "Fuck, I've had purple haze in years." <laughs> yeah. got, got a wee bottle of aftershock and everything. You, you tell me that's actually reminded me of a story of people who obviously just aren't on the same sort of wavelength as you. <laughs> but uh, I was a uni, and I was sitting in the house one day, really fucking hungover, and I had serious fucking cotton mouth, like really dry mouth, and I was dying for something to drink, but I didn't want water because I've been drinking water all day. So Harry the lovable oaf that does this podcast sometimes, I was going to the shop and I was all, Harry, go on, please get me a drink when you go to the shop. But go and do me a favour, right? See if you're going to pick me out a drink. There's a good selection over there. Go on, that just get me a kind of standard drink that you would usually get. Get me something different, you know, a bit quirky, about cooking. Probably on the back of a can of Coke. <laughs> it was all, why don't you usually drink it? So I, I think it's kind of different. <laughs> I was like, oh, Jesus. He's like, usually number drink one Coke. drink. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, well, in fairness, it's Fanta. He likes his Fanta, doesn't he? But that was... Harry thought to himself, right, I can't get Chan Fanta because I always drink that. What else is there besides Fanta? Coke. <laughs> Straight bring, on it. Bring Lutz or something. I know. Are or we like, Tango? Do they not tango? do... Like, or an or an orangina? Are we Lucasade? Like fizzy, you know, like... <sighs> bottles you've never, like, fucking seen before and they cost, like, two pounds. You're all, mm, drinking mm. this. Little like, oh, Snapple. <laughs> 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 Although apparently Snapple is delicious. I'm so excited about this purple haze. I'm just getting... should, should we call him Purple Rains in honour oh, of Oh yeah. In, in honour of our of the fallen legend Prince. I will call him Purple Rains. That's that's very nice. Did you think that beforehand? No, I d- literally thought of it when I said purple haze. <laughs> you know what's really cool as well? Uh obviously you probably seen the news last night in sort of tribute to Prince. Uh, a lot of landmarks around the world of Kenny you know have been covered in like purple light and stuff like that but when i was coming over the bridge on the way to this very podcast earlier on do you know the hands across the divide statue at the end of the bridge somebody has put two purple flags in each of their hands ah so the playhouse has been lighting itself up purple too it's great to see well in honor of that sexual deviant prince let's drink these beautiful purple rains well no you need to mix it first it's fine like that no you need it purple it's blue and red at the minute get a straw here you go keep Thank you very much. Are we going to uh, neck these in one? Nah. Give me a straw as well, Sean. Don't be selfish. <laughs> What's the magic word, Michael? No. <laughs> so, like, if anyone wants to know how so to make rude. a purple haze, not that I'm sure you all already know, but it's red aftershock and blue wicked. And it's super tasty and it gets you really, really fucked up. And it's so easy yeah, to drink. I'm like, I think, is it not, like, would you kind of say the purple haze is the first cocktail for want of a better word did you ever have you know what I mean like even when you're like 15, 16 or 17 when you start drinking because WKD is a drink that a lot of people start out with because obviously it's easy to drink it's cheap uh, yeah. very sugary and stuff like that and then Aftershock is kind of one of the first shots that you have because you know it's really strong but it also is, is quite easy to handle and it's red and it's red but so, do you like the, loads of different colour ones I think yeah the, the red one is the nicest because there's the blue Aftershock as well but I don't even know what the it's well hard to get the blue Aftershock the, the blue one with um uh, Red Bull, like as if you know, like how you would take a Jaeger bomb, oh, but instead of Jaegermeister, blue aftershock. I don't know what it's called, like a Skittle. No, that's Quantro. It tastes like refreshers. Here, hold your glasses up. My phone keeps fucking up. Oh, is this the new phone you bought? Even though it was your birthday, I love that. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey said that to me the other night. It was all apparently in last week's podcast. He was all, oh, I got a new phone. I was all, why? It's not even your birthday. And then Mikey kind of realized that. 
I'm that liminal as a human being that I only think you can get a new phone if it's your birthday. You can't just buy yourself a new phone. <laughs> I just the contract was up, so I got a new phone. <laughs> because even when you said it to me, you were all, "No, I know it was my birthday. I just bought a new phone." I was fucking baffled. I was like, "What? Do people have that sort of disposable income?" <laughs> I'm thinking, I should have in here, like, as boys out buying new phones. Fucking I don't buy it. it. This is the thing of having a contract. You just continue yeah, on your contract. Yeah, you get a new yeah. phone. See, Shen, this is what you're missing out in life. <laughs> Money, <laughs> luxury. <laughs> what he called said. Okay, no, I've I've already had a sup of my purple haze, and it's just as good as what I remembered. It's oh, divine. It's fucking good, man. Because you get you get that bounce. wee you, uh, bounce. You get that wee bubblegummy taste from the WKD, but then that wee sort of warm cinnamony, cinnamony after kick of the well, after shock, you would say. Mm. <laughs> One might say. <laughs> <laughs> It's like if I was describing it, I'd be, like it, it's wicked, and you do you get an aftershock, mm. which is exactly <laughs> what Elizabeth. <laughs> it's almost as if it's like actually made to be that from those things. You know, it's, it it is strange as well because I think it's just one of those happy accidents where those two drinks are obviously made by two completely different companies, but they just go so well together that it is just a happy accident. But yeah. I'm sure that. The people who made WKD and the people who make Aftershock weren't fucking complaining. Because, I mean, it is still a really popular cocktail. I mean, do you do it in the bar? Well, we do red Aftershock and we do blue WKD. But do people ever ask for it at the bar? Because it used All to be a big thing. Time. Yeah, sweet. All the time. Sure. We do, like, drinks promotions. So any nights the drinks promotions are on, that's, that, like... Can I, can I have purple part? haze, but can I have five Aftershock on it? <laughs> well, legally, I can't give that to you. Well, can you give me five shots of Aftershock? And no, because I know WKD. what you're gonna do. With it. <laughs> <laughs> really? By law, if somebody you went can't up, like order over a certain amount of us, like in one drink. Yeah, like I think really? your limit is like a double. You know, so you can't order off. like a triple vodka. Fuck off! So if I, because I mean I've always joked like if I had you know if I was flush for cash or something like that, there I would go up to a bar and be all triple vodka and coke or something like that. But if I was to go up and ask for triple vodka, <laughs> when have you joked? I, I don't. Like I don't know <laughs> about in like, and but I think so. Yeah, I think. Yeah. Basically, That's Kiva won't shit. give it to you. Know? <laughs> I get a so if like, I'm in a bad mood, I will, you can have it. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. How many? I absolutely shit myself right now. <laughs> I was sitting talking to you and then I just felt this wetness on my fucking hand. I looked down, Suki just licking away there. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> By the way, Mickey's dog is in the tent today. Because we don't want to leave her downstairs herself. Do you, do you mind? Like, I used to drink Purple Haze flat out when we were younger. Like, by 18, 19. But do you mind the boy... That you see, give you extra shots. Oh, at the Bob! Bar. Bob. <laughs> oh, he was incredibly American fella. Hey, you would ask for just like, like uh, ask for like a purple haze, and you would just see like half of it be like a red aftershock, and he would only charge you for like one shot of it. Like, he it was, was incredible. Amazing. I don't know what the fuck he was. Yeah, I don't know he's probably sent the prisoners only got there because he, he always he was like, fired from yeah, there. Oh, I always there. Hundred percent. That was always coming. Like he was a hundred percent fired from the bar because he was giving out free drink, fucking left, right, and center. But the best, but, the, the best thing as well, like if you're Stan waiting there and somebody else comes up to you, you're like, no, I'm waiting for Bob. <laughs> Tongues right on my ear. Oh. Well, don't pick her up. Then. Ah, but she looks so sad down there. Ah, she's gone. I'm currently just canoodling with Mickey's dog here. She loves me the most. Mickey can't really accept that. But uh, aye, speaking of Bob, that uh, barman, uh, I went up to a house party one time and this just shows how much he was taking a hand in that bar. 
<laughs> I went up to this house party at about 3 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> went in, there was about like 15 or 20 people, but all the 15 or 20 people seemed to be kind of gathered in one corner of the room. Bob had just lifted all the strength from the fucking bone for it, and he was just standing in the corner making cocktails. <laughs> but I mean, like, it was boxes no, of drink. Like. No wonder they closed down. <laughs> <laughs> Bob. Bob ruined the bone for it. Thanks, Bob. I think we all just went to university and there was no one left to go there anyway. <laughs> <laughs> it, had like, left. it had like a like a re, like a reflux every Christmas and then yeah. Aye. Aye. Les Doherty, the man who owned the bound for was obviously just fucking rubbing his hands anytime Christmas came around. So they're coming back. <laughs> <laughs> uh okay, what have we watched this week, folks? Who wants to go first? I'm gonna go first. Boom. Because I think I realised today I never really go first in this. Because I always, because I always ask, what do we watch? So it, it's weird for me to ask a question that I immediately answer. Yeah, I'll start hosting if you want. Probably a better job, like. No, you won't. <laughs> <laughs> Just be like, dangerous, dangerous. Then after about two hours, and what we watch? We watch with our eyes. <laughs> <laughs> what do you watch? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, this week I watched Robot and Frank. Oh, has anyone seen it? Uh, well, I love how sometimes <laughs> I love how sometimes we cannot let on that we don't know what the answers are going to be because you're all. Has anyone seen it? When me and you talked last night about the know. fact that I watched <laughs> it the night before you, but it was complete. It was, it was by, by pure coincidence. Yeah. Basically, Mickey texted me last night saying, oh, "I need to watch a film," and then he was all, "I might watch Robot and Frank." And I was all, "That's pretty weird." I watched that the night before, and I really enjoyed it. But Mickey, the question is. Did you enjoy it? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, have you watched Kiva? <laughs> uh, the Robot and Frank, it's a, it's set in the not-too-distant future. It's kind of one of them futures where basically everything's the same, but just technology has advanced. And it's a weird thing I've noticed about just technology and like films and stuff as well. They always seem to think that the next level of like phones and like computer screens is just that they're going to be clear. Like, it's just a clear piece of plastic, and then, like, stuff shows up in it. But surely that's not good picture quality. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because you're seeing through the image. Plus, I would just stand on it. Like, I'd be like, fuck, I fucking broke it again. <laughs> <laughs> but, like, even in the Avengers, like, all the computer screens and all, they're just clear, and they're, like, talking to each other through the screen and all this here. Or, like, in Pacific Rim, they actually have, like, the three the, the three different RGB layers. So you have, like, a red layer, and then a green layer, and a blue layer. It's like... How is that better? You know what I mean? Just, I don't know. I think maybe stupid could be overthinking it. I'm obviously not a man who's technologically gifted whatsoever. I know for a fact that even if it was 20 years in the future, I'll probably still be operating on that phone there anyway. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? That's, uh, you'll die with that phone. <laughs> on the virtual dole. <laughs> the virtual dole. But yeah, so everything's pretty much the same apart from just technology as much. And there's robots. 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 And uh, yeah, so Frank, played by Franklin Jella, is it? Mm-hmm. Uh, he's the way you said that there. Now I thought you said Franklin Jella. Franklin <laughs> Jella <laughs> sounds very interesting. What did you say? Frank Langella. Oh, uh, right. The way he said it, it sounded like Franklin Jella. Franklin Jella. <laughs> That's actually a far better name. <laughs> Franklin Jella. Anyway, so his name. Hell of a fella, <laughs> Franklin Jella. <laughs> well, Frank would could be short for Franklin, so he's Frank. Lynn Langella. <laughs> Franklin Langella. Franklin Langella. You're reaching Mickey's pretty thing, Mickey. <laughs> but yeah, he he just. Like what age is he in the film? Like seventy oh. or something. But he's hundred. <laughs> <laughs> but you you find out pretty quickly in the film that he's suffering from Alzheimer's. But he lives on his own, and 
his kids come and visit him every so often is two kids played by james marston and Liv tyler but he's not getting on too well like his house is a mess and all's here it's crack so james marston his son buys in this robot butler essentially so he can tidy up after him take care of him make him make sure he eats the right stuff and all but frank's frank's completely against the robot but he soon kind of gets on with the robot because he realizes that he can teach the robots how to be a cat burglar. <laughs> yes. Because Frank, in his previous life, was a cat burglar. In his previous life, or like, or when he was younger. When he was younger. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. I was just seeing like if they're, I don't know. <laughs> Has it gone that far in the future where you can have like more than one life and stuff? <laughs> you can have more than one life now. Can you? Yeah. Yeah. You just don't remember the previous one. You don't remember it. Unless you take, like, drugs. <laughs> 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 Sorry, go ahead. But, yeah, so he, he basically starts planning to do, like, this this burglary with this robot, and he's teaching him how to be a cat burglar and stuff. And that's that's the whole premise of it, but what I really liked about the film is just, he's like, Frank's suffering from Alzheimer's, and everyone else in his life kind of... They, they're they're trying to help him, but they're kind of trying to just take care of themselves as well. They're not yeah. really... They just want to kind of deal with him rather than actually help him, if like, you know what I mean. The line that pointed out to me, it's it's the very start when... I think it's like near enough the first scene where James Marsden goes up to his house and it's when he first brings the robot to the house. And Frank Langella's character at the start... Well, just he's called Frank in the film. Frank is all like, oh no, I don't want this like hunk of shit, you know what I mean? It's just technology, I'm grand myself and all that sort of stuff and... Then James Marsden is all I will. I don't want to come up here some weekend, and you're lying dead because that'll be another thing. It's my fault. And he, the way he said it, it's I, a very selfish sort of thing. It's like he doesn't actually like, really. Oh, I, I like, oh, that's my fault because I didn't come. Thinking I, he doesn't really care about his dad's. Well, he does care about his dad's well-being, but I think he's more concerned with the fact that he would have to feel guilty about that. Then I, he would get the blame because yeah. he's the only one kind of around. But yeah. Mm. So then Frank starts developing this relationship with the with the robot that he's teaching him how to be a burglar and stuff but he just kind of starts talking to him and just all all the robot is for frank is just somebody to listen to him basically and yeah. just somebody to be completely selfish and just actually be there for him yeah and it's it's kind of it's a really nice relationship that they build up because at one point in the film the robot gets turned off and frank wants him to turn back on and he says he's my friend yeah. <laughs> you know he's just he just wants his, his friend back and he just because all our, all our people have their all our shit to do with, but the robot is purely there for Frank, and I, I think that's what he that he finds and what he likes about it. Did you do you know what I really liked about it? Um, probably the thing I like the most is usually we stuff like that where there is the sort of question of AI versus humanity and how far can AI go before it starts to become sentient or kind of self aware. They don't like stuff like Bicentennial Man and stuff like that, and yeah. stuff like AI really sentimentalize that, but. The robot is not sentimental whatsoever. Yeah. That's kind of, uh, the I think the most blatant uh, scene when you just kind of see how unsentimental it is, and it it's not like it, it kind of develops where you know the robot starts to develop human feelings and actually loves Frank. It is just programmed to kind of serve him and stuff like that. But it's when the robot says that you know I don't care if you wipe my memories because even though I seem like I'm human, I'm just programmed to be this way. You yeah. know what I mean? And it's it's like I I, I like that because it's probably. More realistic the what would actually happen if this sort of technology existed, you know, for people in, in Frank's sort of position. Mm. But then also, uh, 
I liked how they still mined that sort of emotional connection between Frank and the robot, even though the robot is, you know, at the end of the day, quite cold. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It seems like I haven't seen it, but it sounds to me like it would. It just makes the that that really, you know, like it a bit more. It's poignant because mm. he is probably just really desperate for like companionship mm-hmm. and that you know yeah. is found he's not getting it from anyone else so the fact that they, you know it is like an emotionless yeah it's like a, it's, it, crap, it, it is like it is like it's, it's and he, he's still getting what he needs from it which is it's definitely a savage thing now don't get me wrong i mean uh, maybe the way i described that to you it, it sounds like the robot's uncaring or is like kind of emotionless it is I wouldn't say it's emotionless because obviously the fact that it is programmed to completely serve Frank and you know look after his well-being. I think he actually says at one point that Frank's health is like the main thing he's programmed Aye, for. And he can override other things. Ah, he can override all things just to protect Frank's health because because of the Alzheimer's and because at the start of the film, there's a whole thing. He's not eating very well. He's eating junk, and the, one of the Aye. first things a robot does is he starts making him like sort of better, healthier meals and stuff like that. But at the same time, too, it's 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 not that the the robot comes off as as distant or sort of like I said, cold. I mean, he he does he does come off like he cares, but in in his own sort of non human way. I know, they, you know what I mean? they get it it's well. It's very well handled. I get it, they get it across that because they do kind of have a back and forth, and there's like a, they have conversations. It's not just he's ordering the robot about or anything, and the robot is making decisions for Frank. But the the thing when he says about like you know, it doesn't matter if you write my memories because. It's just kind of reminding you that all this perceived kind of humanness is just all his programming. And yep. so he doesn't care about life or his memories because it's all just programming to him. Yeah. Cause, but there's there's a nice kind of symmetry between Robot and Frank as well that like Frank wants to hold on to his memories because he's losing them and yep. the robot doesn't give a fuck about us. <laughs> <laughs> Because when when Frank's first going through the robot's memories, like he can upload like pictures and stuff from what he's seen, like literally every second of everything that he's seen, Aye. you can like everything that the robot's seen, you can pull up on screen. He's got like a literal photographic memory. Oh, I see. So, like Frank's saying, like, "Oh, geez, like it's amazing. You'll never forget anything, anything." And like that's what he wants. And that also becomes a major plot point later on, the fact that he does have a photographic memory. Yeah. But I will not spoil that, that because it would sort of give away where the film goes. Like. But uh, I, th- I think a thing that the, made the film fall down for me was the the villain guy. Well, villain, it's not really a villain, like, but the, the bad guy, Jake. Quite over the top. Like. Uh, he's a, he's very slapsticky. And yeah. his his whole... Okay, we, we haven't even mentioned the library. The library is very important in this film. <laughs> <laughs> now, every day, Frank goes to the library because he likes to read books and... The whole thing in this film is like, oh, libraries are kind of nobody uses libraries. I mean, like all the books are falling apart. Susan Sarandon is the librarian, and she's like duct taping books back together and all. And they say like Frank's the only person that goes into the library anymore. But then uh, the library gets taken over by all these young people, and essentially they're essentially just hipsters. They're all like, oh, books are old. That's cool, kind of thing now. <laughs> but they re- they really go over the top with they they make it. Too, it's nearly too slapsticky. Like, like they're kind of, they're all saying, "Oh, it's an experience." It's like they don't actually have books anymore, and all. It's, it's just, it's a bit over the top, and I think you, it kind of takes you out of the film yeah. anytime. Specifically, the main guy called Jake. I can't mind what you call the actor, but 
anytime he's on screen, he is very over the top, and yeah. he, he does kind of ruin it a bit. And I think I he just he doesn't really fit the tone because everything else in the film is so well judged and it's so sort of mm. like we were saying before. It is realistic in the fact that if it's if it's treatment of how a robot would actually interact with uh, you know an older man, especially an older man with Alzheimer's, and it's really sort of tenderly and sort of tenderly observed and very nuanced, but then he just sticks out like a sore thumb. It's like, it's like yeah. he's came in from, he's like a panto villain, you know what I mean? But he's maybe they're going for there. that, like he is the complete opposite of that kind of word. I, I don't know why they have to, because I don't think it really works. I, I know, mean, they could have just, they could have just had him be a sort of standard, everyday real life prick and it would have worked far right. better, you know what I mean? But, uh, another thing too that I didn't really like, uh, I, I won't say too much because again, it might spoil, but, uh, it's just how much sort of power he wields with... Did you find that how much power he wields with the police towards the end? And like, I mean, I know it's like 20 minutes into the future and stuff like that there, but I mean, like some of the stuff that they were doing in, in their investigation, shall we say, you would never get away with it. Like, you know? no, <laughs> I mean, even if you think this is like a small town kind of sheriff that they're dealing with or whatever, like, like yeah, yeah, because would never let that happen. Aye, uh, because it borders in on police harassment. It doesn't yeah. even seem like they're having an investigation. It's just like they're fucking picking what ideas. What happens right now, guys? <laughs> <laughs> That's the world we live in. <laughs> but uh, what else was I going to say? Um, actually, I felt really like fuck the police. They're like, because <laughs> <laughs> I really respect the police. <laughs> just some people are bastards. <laughs> like the police. Um, <laughs> No, the the actual robot though, uh, it's voiced by Peter Sarsgaard. Uh, it's it's very well, it's very well voiced and like the, the actual dialogue and all is really well written. A, a devastatingly underrated actor, Peter Sarsgaard. Peter Sarsgaard, yeah, he's great. But uh, whoever was in the actual robot costume as well, I think they did a great job mm. of being like a robot because it reminded me, you know, that wee tiny robot Honda made. I think it was called Asimo or Asimo. something. Well, Asimo as as well, I don't really keep up on this that much, but obviously. The robot and robot and Frank is a hundred percent based on Asimov. I mean, like they yeah. look identical. I mean, like they must have had a fucking get sign off from whatever well, company I, made him. I think I think he's technically different enough. <laughs> oh, no, he's, he's near enough identical. Like, but I mean, they had him make him a bit bigger just so a small person could fit in. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, Asimov's well. I mean, sure, is, is Asimov still not the most sort of advanced robot? ever made I don't, I don't know if they've improved on it I, I mind he was the first robot that could run which is technically like both feet lift off the ground Asimov's so cute as well uh, but the robot's so cute as well. <laughs> what was that like um, I can't remember what company it was I'm going to say Google because it was someone like Google I'm not sure but they put like live you know like so it's not a robot but it was like an artificial uh, mind of this like teenage girl basically uh, online um, so she she was she could read things on the internet and chat to people and then make opinions based on what she's reading and what she's hearing and I think it was an experiment and they like you know how you like internet and information maybe misinformation can like affect the personality and they had to take her offline in like eight hours or something because <laughs> she turned into like a Nazi fucking. <laughs> I need to find out the proper details they tell you. So that, uh, a Nazi sex addict. pretty hot, guys. I picked them words at random, but she was definitely about Nazi. <laughs> she was definitely a Nazi. I don't know if she was a sex addict. But she's, she, was, uh, she was tweeting some mad shit. <laughs> I love as well. Just that if there was ever a test, they proved that we are just 
awful, awful fucking things, aren't we, human beings? <laughs> like, I mean, we're inherently bad, like, are we? <laughs> um, final thing on Robot and Frank, just the actual subject matter of Alzheimer's, it's, it actually is, like, the scariest thing oh, for I... me, like, personally, like, that's the thing I'm most worried about in life, kind of, of like, kind of developing, because like, you, for you as a personal level, if you don't remember things, then what are you kind of thing? Obviously, yeah. the other people, you're, you've still been a part of their life. You've still affected them, so you're, you still matter to other people. But when you just inside your own head, if you can't remember it, then did it happen kind of thing? Like, that's the way I think about it. And, like, still Alice got me with that kind of stuff as well. And just actually seeing stuff like there, it's it scares me. Oh, it's... Well, I mean... I think everybody kind of finds it that way, but I think it's the cruelest disease that there is because, I mean, yeah. I don't want to sit here and fucking compare diseases because all life-threatening diseases are, are fucking awful. There's no point in trying to rate them in any way, but I think the thing with Alzheimer's is that, like somebody said before as well, is that it sort of makes... Whereas all diseases is, is just usually physical pain and stuff like that, it's the the mental aspect of Alzheimer's that it seems that it's it, it makes a mockery of life, you know what I mean? Mm. Because you've built up a life having these memories and fair enough three other diseases where you're going through this physical pain at least even in your worst hours you can kind of maybe cling on to good memories you've had or you know good thoughts and stuff like that but Alzheimer's takes that from me it's the complete polar opposite and it's 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 a fucking awful thing but I think they deal with it very well too especially yeah. in the fin- in like uh, in the final scenes uh, they deal with it very very nicely and it's actually quite a it's quite a bittersweet ending too which I, I really like that it's not the sort of tacked on everything's brilliant no. And, I mean, it, it, it's quite realistically done too. But it's a really good film. It's Plus, film. it's only an hour and 21 minutes long, so it's not even a 90 minute. It's like an Is 80 it? minute. Well, I mean, like, it's it's an hour and 20. Are you, are you taking away credits again? It's an hour and 29, but it's, I checked, it's six minute credits, like, so it's an hour and 23 minutes long. You need to sit through the credits, Shannon. You don't need to you sit need through to the credits. See everybody worked on it. In fairness, I did actually sit through a lot of the Robot and Frank credits because it was. It was sweet music then. It was sweet <laughs> music, but then it, was, it showed you the development. Like actual star oh, footage yeah, yeah, of the robots yeah. throughout time was pretty cool. But yeah, yeah I, 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 liked I it. went and made a drink and just listened to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I feel like, uh, like tra- like sorry, credits should have more like visual because Aye, it's that's when I, that I like. I would be more inclined to sit there. Usually, I sit there until I like see all the art people. I be like, there's so many. Like, <laughs> <laughs> uh, like they need a lot of us. <laughs> but, uh, I I like wouldn't do like. When you when they actually have the cast and like the person's n- name and then their character name or whatever, when you get the, they just they they don't have a last name anymore. They're just Kyle or Bob, yeah. and then just they they don't they're not even allowed to have a name anymore. They're just man with shoe or something. Like that. <laughs> it's, just, it's fun to see all the different credits that people can get. Like, <laughs> it's like it's like because like. There's some stupid ones like you see like horny girl number one, horny girl number yeah. two, and stuff like that. Haberdashery owner number three, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, shit like that. Though it's funny seeing those ones. <laughs> Very good. But uh, Kiva, what did you watch this week? Um, this week I watched Common. Ah. Uh, <laughs> the way the way I said that, it just sounded like I had no fucking clue what you're talking about. Ah. So a C uh, or a K? With a C, Common with a C. I know I. I was raging because I like to spell C words with a K. Anyway. Cool kid. Um, but it's 2014, directed by David Blair. Um, Tony's brother. It's, yeah, well, <laughs> uh, 
that's how you got the funding. It's a, it's a it's a British film, so Tony Blair was all right. Give it to my brother. Um, but it, it's you know, I'm, just, I'm just so busy invading countries that I, I shouldn't even be in. But yeah, you can have this money. <laughs> was that supposed to be Tony Blair? Yeah, it was really bad, wasn't it? It was, it was nearly like a British Woody Allen. No, I'm not sure who Tony Blair. Don't look me. Don't look me to me, Woody Allen. Like <laughs> but um, has it have any of you seen Common? No. Okay, uh, it's the musician. <laughs> it's uh still no. <laughs> very. It's very realistic and hard to watch, but enjoyable. What's it actually about? Is it, okay. it is about a film. Is it, is it not about a film goes to the abortion or something like that? No. It's mm. about um, this guy. He's quite like, he's about 17, 16 or 17. And you can just tell, like, even, like, within the first, like, 10, 15 minutes of walking, like, he's just just a genuine, nice wee boy, like. And he just, you know, he kind of, maybe he's not the most popular wee boy, but he's, you know, well-meaning. He would bend over backwards for anybody, basically. Just you know, difference or whatever. Do you say he's not that popular? Well, it's not that you see him really in social scenarios, but it, it's just that it, like he seems like he would spend time maybe with his family or by himself and just at school. Well, he's obviously not good looking then because only no, ugly people don't handsome. have friends. quite handsome. <laughs> um, but he's just, anyway, he's very nice, young, respectable. You, you'd be happy if he was your son because he seems like a very nice wee boy. And, uh, you seem very taken with him. Oh, I'm very taken because <laughs> he just has a very fucking shit time and he doesn't even do anything wrong. Aww. Aww. So he gives his friends, he's, it's, they're not his friends, they're assholes. He gives these three assholes a lift. They they ring him, they're all, oh, man, man, be one of the lads and drive us to the pizza shop. Sorry, I, I'm really sorry to keep cutting you off just very quickly as well. I, I've seen the poster of the film. The poster of the film kind of gave me the uh, idea that is it set in like the sixties or seventies? Is it set in like the the past or is it set modern day? Uh, no, I didn't. I didn't. No, think so, I no. just I, no. I, that was just I was just wondering because when I looked at the poster, I kind of made that assumption. But it was just kind of set modern day. Then. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. That's fine. I mean, ahead. it might be set like five or ten years ago. I was, I, no, I was just wondering. Go ahead. Um. Right. So, they're all mom. Uh, give us a lift to the pizza shop, but they go under, the, and he's he's just all. Oh, I don't want mushrooms of mine. You know, he's just all heard that he's going mm. for pizza with these guys no. but they're all wet in the car and they go in and then they run out one of them's covered in blood and they're all driving and they're all arguing your boy's all what the fuck's going on you know he hasn't got Aye. a clue what's going on Um, turns out they had planned to go to this pizza place they confront the guy not they, they just they scare him yeah Um, but uh, one of the guys are with this like psycho boy had a knife and not even the boy they were this isn't like this is the premise of the film, not really spoiling it, but he stabs somebody. He's got nothing to do with it. And then being the nice guy that he is, the the driver, he's called John Joe O'Shea. Um yeah, it's pretty good. Name. And they're they're um I should say that they're they're all from like an estate, so that there's not that really they don't really have that much money. Um like very so, work on like the poverty. Yeah, like um the thing like he wants to go to the police but he's afraid for his family you know he's afraid of what other people do but he goes anyway and goes to the police and tells tell you know i was driving this car and this happened and it was this guy you know because yeah. you know the police are looking for the murder anyway all four of them including him have to go on trial um under uh, it's a it's a british law called uh joint enterprise 
Right. Which means if you had any knowledge or planning of this, you go down for murder as well. Um, so because they didn't believe John Joe was just driving and didn't mm. d- didn't know about it, um, even though he came forward and gave a full statement, he's going down for murder for life with these four, um, unless he makes like a plea bargain, and then it's. That's that's the the basic story. And shit goes down. She goes down. Um, the the mother of the the innocent guy who was stabbed in the pizza place is played by Michelle Michelle Fairley, who that's I think she's in Game of Thrones. I yeah, it's uh, Catelyn Catelyn Stark. Yeah, I was going to say Tully, but yeah, that's Tully. That's not my <laughs> name. But uh, uh, she is unbelievable. Unbelievable. It's like heart-wrenching to watch it's she 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 plays it very well like you know that that initial shock period of grief you know where it's it's all very contained and then see when that container's opened it's it's an unbelievable performance it's like and the way the way it's it's not cut so you're you're seeing say they're in the morgue having to identify the body yeah and it's it's just it's quite hard to watch um but they don't they don't cut away from it you know you like oh she goes under a big cry and then it cuts so no like you stay with her for that so it's 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 quite hard it's a great um, actress one of her own too good solid northern irish actress and then the the mother of john joe o'shea is played by jody may jody with a j-o-d-h-i she's not in game of thrones i don't care or maybe I wrote it down wrong. <laughs> um, uh, she, she, she has a very, very good, strong performance as well, and almost like a nice one of the the, the kind of redeeming parts of the f- not redeeming, and it's a bad film. It's not a bad film. It's just it's it's quite grim. Um, yeah. But there is a a wee bit of. You get a sense of like hope with with their two with their two characters and their their relationship. Um surprisingly. Um but it's very good, but it, it was it was it was quite upsetting to watch. Do you think it's one of those films which is usually the sort of case where I mean I, a lot of people point this at sort of British films, especially like sort of kitchen sink dramas, because usually small budget British films tend to be a lot bleaker than small budget American films, but do you think it's one of those films that you could probably only ever watch once. It's not a film you would go back there and watch again, even if you did enjoy it. Yeah, no, I I would watch it again, but I'm definitely very, very, very curious about Joint Enterprise, um, because it just seems like it's a f- really fucked up law. Yeah. Um, and they, uh, no, I won't I won't go too much into it because the the kind of plot of the how the court case goes is is important, but it just seems like it's very convenient for the prosecution and. Not for the defense. Yeah. Um, this actually sounds familiar. Like, there was something actually recently, like, actually happened. And they were trying to get, like, one of the kids out because he wasn't actually a part of yeah, it. But I feel he like went... it might be loosely based on something that I happened. Def- I definitely heard, like, somebody's ma on the radio talking about stuff like, like they went to prison when they weren't a part of it or something like that. So it seems... No, it's a, it's like a it's it's a thing, and I think that's why the film was made because it was yeah. it it had I don't know if it's if that the specifics 
of what they're talking about in the film happened but people are wrongly in prison like right. when you watch the credits right at the end it's saying these are some women who feel like uh their sons were wrongly in prison and there's like a fuck with them yeah um, I will, like, and you, if, you, they, they give you like little video clips so it's actually them and they're saying they're just saying the name and how long they went down for and some of them are like 30 years Jesus you know what I mean? Christ I will, well, if you haven't actually killed anyone but you're going down for murder like I mean it's it doesn't seem fair like no it's definitely a fucking well I mean, I, 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 obviously I'm, I'm not up in the law but if that still exists in British law then that is a fucking massive thing that they need to get ready this was a joint enterprise joint you say? enterprise I'm sure that they're has had it been fucking protest glory against that? Like, I'm sure, like, joint enterprise is a concept I can understand, and maybe, like, tax evasion. Yeah. Like, these are all part of this. Or, like, right, you planned this, so, yeah, you didn't technically murder anyone, but you should have, you you know... Uh, you were a yeah. part you know, of... You, you, yeah. you wanted it to happen, like, so... Yeah. And you helped make it happen, but it just traps so many innocent people. It's It shouldn't be... Mm. It shouldn't be the, like, standard where it seems... That's through the film is what it is. Is that like a Rico thing as well? I always just mind that yeah. from Dark Knight. <laughs> no, well, Rico, I that, that essentially is that what, just more for like organized crime kind of thing. I think it was it was invented for. I think I'm nearly no don't quote me because obviously I'm not up in fucking American law, but from my uh, from my understanding of law through TV and film, I think that <laughs> I think that. Uh, it was created biz. I think it's just we Rico uh, agreements and and Rico trades and stuff like that. It's usually used for organized crime but it's just more the fact that because a lot of these crime families or just sometimes if it's just a crime syndicate outside of la mafia because there's so many of them it's just a lot easier to try them all as one you know what i mean as opposed they have need not only have the expenditure of having fucking 40 separate trials but then the time and the money and the effort and different but lawyers you may as well get if them you all can prove once. one person did it then they all go to i'm not quite sure how true that is i I'm mean not quite sure I, I've never known Maggie Gyllenhaal to lie either. I don't know. Well, Eric Roberts looked very pleased with himself anyway in that scene, so I'm not quite sure. But uh, Fucking Maroney. <laughs> uh, Batman breaks his legs. What's what's going on? <laughs> He's all right. He fucks him off a button. Like. I know. What else he say? He's like, from one professional to another, he ain't going to kill a guy from this height. He's like, that's what I'm praying yeah. Then Christian Bale's all, I oh, know. <laughs> a funny thing i heard about the and the the dark knight rises is uh like catwoman like disappears and batman says oh so that's what that's like like just because he always does it but he's he's by himself but he's keeping up the batman voice <laughs> it's like just in case she's hiding behind him or something <laughs> caught you a bruce wayne didn't he? <laughs> actually well pretty uh, quickly just now that you're saying that about Batman's voice and stuff that's one thing I mean obviously we kind of puck it apart a few weeks back but because we were that focused on the sort of major things that happened in Batman versus Superman one of the things that I did actually really like was uh, and it was just a wee throwaway thing but the fact that uh, Ben Affleck's Batman has actually got a built in voice modulator Aye, I thought true. that was a good idea because you see Alfred pick it up he's all oh, the modulator's fine yeah <laughs> and as well I mean I think it was more first of all to protect the fact that he's he's Bruce Wayne protect his identity but I think as well it was maybe a wee top of the cap to all the grief that maybe Christian Bale got Aye. for the over the top voice that he used to put on like plus it can't be good for your throat like talk like that all the time yeah <laughs> Bruce Wayne must be fucking flat out in the strips all the ups. <laughs> I know, he just actually fucks up his throat and he can't talk as Bruce Wayne because he just sounds like this. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> That's what it does there. Uh, <coughs> sorry, excuse me. You Batman? <laughs> well, don't I like fucking brand. knew it. I <laughs> fucking knew it. <laughs> so, Sham, what did you watch this week? I, I'm just actually thinking, fuck, picture I was Batman. Hey. I but knew you were, your eyes went rolling up. Like, like, <laughs> but the worst, most out of shit Batman of all time. <laughs> Who would be your Alfred, though? You would be my Alfred, Mickey. No. You're pretty organizational. You're pretty shrewd. Jesus, no. Can I be Robin? <laughs> Quite kemp. I think, <laughs> I think you could be Alfred. You can be Robin if you want, though. You can be, or, or, well, not back here. Back here is shite. You can just be a female Robin. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's female there's Robins. female Robins. There are female Robins. And as well, hey, we're all about gender equality up on here. You know what I mean? But uh, what was I going to say to you too? I was just thinking if I was Batman and you know the way like he gets that bad signal blasted up in the air, mine wouldn't even be like, it wouldn't even be a big bat. It would just be fucking like somebody shining the biggest fucking flashlight they say at Bennigan's last orders was happening. <laughs> 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 and I would swoop on from the skies. <laughs> Two tiskies, please. <laughs> Two tiskies, please. <laughs> tiskies. <laughs> Where's that tiskies? Where's the tiskies? That's our way. One's last orders. <laughs> <laughs> but this week I watched Best of Enemies. Now, like your film, Common, and like the film that you watch, Robot and Frank, it is also on Netflix. Common is on Netflix, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So, Best of Enemies, it was a documentary released last year, directed by uh, Robert Gordon and Morgan Neville. Essentially, it tells the story of the... Uh, in all honesty, I'd never heard of them. I'd heard, I'd heard of Gore Vidal, but I'd never heard of these very famous The Bits. Uh, it is about the very famous series of 10 The Bits between Gore Vidal and William Buckley Jr. Gore Vidal was... Yeah, I'll, I'll explain now, Gore Vidal. Kiva's <laughs> <laughs> baffled in the corner here. <laughs> Are you speaking in a foreign language? <laughs> uh, Gore Vidal was a very famous American intellectual and writer, and he was very leftist, uh, quite socialist in a way. He was also uh, a homosexual. <coughs> Excuse you. But... Uh, William Buckley Jr. was the complete opposite. Extremely, like, far right wing. You know, like, bridging on fascist. Uh, kind of came out so many times during the Vietnam War and said that... Also, would... they're both gay. <laughs> 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 kind of came out so many times during the Vietnam War and said that, you know, he wouldn't mind whatsoever if they just nuked the whole country and he was uh, anti-homosexual and he was sort of just anti freedom in many ways and obviously because these debates happened in the late 60s uh the 10 debates happened over like a course i think of like three or four weeks and it was in the build up to the republican and the democratic conventions on the build up to the uh presidential race of that year and obviously gore vidal was representing the left of america and william buckley jr was representing the right and it's fascinating. Now, I mean, apparently they are ex they're extremely uh, famous to bits in America. I'd never heard them until I watched this documentary. This documentary, which is only an hour and a half long, just kind of, first of all, shows you highlights of the bits, kind of gives you the background about Gore Vidal and William Buckley Jr., what they stood for, what they kind of thought America could and should be. And then it, I think it does a very good job as well of structuring it within uh, the timeline of what America was you know, at that time period of the late 60s, so Vietnam's just kicking off, and there's massive protests, there's huge racial, racial tension, there's wrist riots, and the counterculture is starting, you know what I mean, it's the 60s, it's free love, and you know, people are growing their hair long, and fucking kind of going against the, the old sort of social mores and social morals of, of America, you know, that sort of, 
buzz cut and fucking family value sort of thing. So William Buckley Jr. is obviously completely against this. He sees anybody in the counterculture or anybody who wants to do free love as, as being like a, a layabout or, or a freeloader or a, a savage. Whereas, yeah, whereas Gore Vidal, honestly, see, see, watch them be because these debates happened in the nineteen sixties. If you really, what's very interesting is that if you see someone like Trump now, even though Trump is so blatantly racist and 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 so blatantly right wing, and you know only for the rich and stuff like that, he looks tame compared to someone like William Buckley Jr. Because it was the nineteen sixties and. It was way more accepted. Homophobia and racism was way more accepted. You would not believe the shit that this guy came up with. I mean, like, even if Trump said some of this shit these days, even he would be fucking ticking up on it. Do you know what I mean? But there's a very famous sort of thing. And the best thing is, is that this guy was like, this boy was like the poster boy of the Republican Party. He was seen as like a kingmaker. I mean, they, they kind of detailed the end of the film about how without his influence, Ronald Reagan probably wouldn't have got the presidency in the nineteen eighties because he had so because he had a a, a big sort of well, uh, he had he had a huge like TV show in America. I think it started in the seventies where it's just him talking about like political issues, but it was obviously all about like right wing political issues and stuff like that. But he was a uh, the scary thing about him is even though he had such appalling ideas about so many things. He was ridiculously intelligent, and he was probably one of the best debaters of all time. But in Gore Vidal, he met his match because Gore Vidal was even smarter and 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 he probably an even better debater. And it sh- is that a, sorry debater a better debater <laughs> a master debater as they would say. But it kind of details the summer intention between them, and the reason it's called best of enemies is. You'll usually see if two people are debating against each other, be it politicians or even like say rival sports people or whatever, there might be some tension there but there's always like a mutual respect and there's always the sort of thing like, right we're only going against each other because this is the sort of game that we're in or this is the sort of job that we're in. But the whole thing about Gore Vidal and William Buckley Jr. is they fucking despised each other, Uh. like truly, truly despised each other. Uh, Gore Vidal is ridiculously, like I said, intelligent, but also unbelievably articulate and so, so fucking funny. But it's that sort of articulate humour. But he, he has some of the best put-downs of all time. But this just shows how much they hated each other. When William Buckley Jr. died, I think it was only about five or six years ago. Gore Vidal only died three years ago. So he, I think he died like two years after him. When William Buckley Jr. died, people interviewed him and stuff like that and said, oh, no, do, do you not feel sad because even though he was your enemy, you know, did you just kind of... You know, put that aside in your later life and stuff like that. But then, Gore Vidal kind of reveals this letter that he wrote saying, rest in Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
hell, you son of a bitch. <laughs> I mean, they, I mean, they properly fucking despised each other. But I think that's I. It's a bit off, but like, you know, when like people die, like, why do people think they should become good people? Mm. Other day, oh no, no, I, I, I really called that. I totally agree. You, see if, see if someone. Dicks. See if someone dies who was a complete and utter bastard the whole way through their life. Yes, don't get me wrong. It's a massive tragedy they died. I'm very sorry for their family and their loved ones because they have to go through the pain of losing that person. But they were still a prick. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's yeah. that's not really redeemed. <clears throat> but anyway. anyway, going off the topic. Uh, so yeah. Yeah, we could have went into a black hole there. <laughs> we kept on going down. <laughs> we really could have. I got some I shit to talk about them. if we're going down there. <laughs> but the documentary itself, I mean... It is just kind of a whistle-stop tour of these ten bits that happened over these three or four weeks in the late 1960s. And then it's a nice wee character study of both men and kind of what they stood for. And like I say, it, it kind of frames America nicely at that time. And I think that it's quite appreciant to watch now because you're starting to see the rise of the sort of far right again in America. Uh, in the likes of Trump and, and Ted Cruz, especially coming up to this presidential race now at the end of the year and going into January. And it's, I think it's just a pity that you're seeing this again, but then maybe in a way, the likes of Bernie Sanders is maybe the modern day Gore Vidal in the fact that he's intellectual and he's very leftist and he's for the people and quite socialist and stuff like that. So I just thought, I think that's the reason I watched it. I think because we've been seeing so much stuff recently about, you know, Trump v. Clinton and Bernie Sanders and Cruz and all this shit that I thought that it'll be nice to go back in time and just see how it is history repeating itself in many many ways like and there's also a very famous altercation that happens in the ninth out of the tenth debate in uh the best of enemies between vidal and buckley jr which has now become infamous in america essentially i'll not spoil exactly what happens but it's when vidal finally knows that he's beat buckley in the debates because buckley cracks and it comes out of nowhere and he explodes and goes on there very small rant. But the words, it's literally one sentence. But the one sentence he says, not only stained him for the rest of his career and won Vidal in a bit, but it, I think it kind of finally exposes the sort of fucking twisted bad human being he is. Because he, the whole act and the whole facade of being a great debater kind of goes out the window. And in that one wee second where he let it slip and he lets out his real feelings... You think, man, you're a cunt. <laughs> I mean, it's the rage. Yeah, it's the I'm rage. Excited. It's good. <laughs> I'm excited. Like one of my favorite um, wee clips of Frank Zappa's um, when he's like debating that uh, American politician. You know, I think he's like, "Oh, your songs promote incest," and Frank Zappa's like, "Well, they're just songs. They're just words. You know, yeah. I'm not making laws here. You are." And but Frank Zappa's just cool as a cucumber the oh, whole way through. Of course. And the other guy's like red hot. Fuck you, Frank Zappa. Okay. <laughs> the best thing is too is that the, when William Buckley Jr. finally explodes, you can tell and you can literally see it in Vidal's face and even the commentators, the talking heads during uh, the documentary, even kind of point to the fact that even Vidal knows as soon as he exploded that Vidal knows that he's won there and then. And he doesn't even react to him. He just sits and smiles at him. And it's like, <laughs> I've got you, can't. <laughs> I've revealed you. Was a comeback the... Was a Gore Vidal's comeback uh, the... Your man ever just Willie Buck? 
<laughs> Lollipock, <laughs> right now. <laughs> well, drop, drop nooks on Lollipock. Fucking. But then, very interestingly, uh, the only. Uh, I, I want to wrap this up because obviously I can move on to the other stuff, but it is an exceptionally interesting documentary, which I loved very, very much. Uh, not only because it's just a well made film, but because it's a part of history. That time in America, the counterculture and the, the rise of the counterculture in the late 1960s and then going on to the 1970s, which then influenced New Hollywood cinema. That's something that I'm massively, massively interested in. And I'm just massively interested in the sort of socio-political changes in America at that time. So the fact that I'd always known about Gore Vidal, but the fact that I didn't know about these famous debates, it was brilliant. You know, it was it was kind of uh, culturally significant and sort of very, very engaging for me. But... A wee thing that they go on day two, now that you're saying about Wally Buck and stuff like that, is the only the only deal with for about a minute and a half, but after the bits then they start to speculate about was Wally Buck gay himself? Mm. And he, he might have been a, a self-hitter, but never quite proven. But I'm not sure, it, uh, but it's an interesting point of view. But aye, really good show. So he secretly loved Gorvidon? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to speculate. <laughs> <laughs> he asked them out. He asked them out. He turned them down when they were like sixteen, and then this like, sparked. <laughs> <laughs> I'll beat you in a debate one day. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. Shall we move on to? Topics. 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 <laughs> um. Okay, I had a small topic that probably isn't going to go too far, but I wanted to bring it up anyway. That it was announced, I mean, like last week. Well, let's let's go back a bit further first. Actually, uh, do you remember like a while ago? There's a bunch of emails leaked from Sony Pictures. Yep. And like, there was a bunch of stuff that came out fr- from these emails, like. There was actually talk about the Spider-Man deal they did with Marvel and stuff, and there was talk about uh, an Angelina Jolie film to play Cleopatra, and she wanted David Fincher to do it, and there was a whole kind of back and forth there. But another thing that came out of these leaks was that they were talking about crossing over the Jump Street films with Men in Black. And you hear that at the time, it's like, oh, it's fucking bullshit. But then, like, a while after air, they actually, they actually confirmed that, I think Jonah Hill said, like, oh, there was a conversation had, like, and you still think that's fucking stupid, <laughs> but but now they have confirmed that they are doing it, so it's oh. called MIB twenty three. What? And actually, it does now... sound like a good title. <laughs> it does sound good. I the title sounds good, but I mean, like, don't get me wrong. So many times I have sat here and said that sounds a ridiculous idea. What are they doing? I mean, like, I said about. Well, I didn't say it was a ridiculous idea, but we didn't understand how the Lego movie would work, and then it was amazing. And well, we didn't even understand how. A reimagining of Twenty One Jump Street work, and that was amazing. Mm. But I just don't know how they're going to do this. I mean, you know what? It, <laughs> is it going to be what do you call doing it? Well, you see, what do you uh, call it again? Well, I don't know who you're on about. The so fucking the, the directors of the Lego Movie and oh, Lord, Lord Miller, no. Lord Miller. Ah, shit! No, it, let me tell you. Okay, uh, Will Smith and Tommy Jones will not be involved, mm. so they're not going to be in it at all. But Channing Tatum and Jonah Hill will be, and the director will be James Bobbin. From Muppets and Flight of the Concords fame. Okay. So, you know, I, I think that's a good choice for it's that. pedigree. Yeah. And uh, I so I think it'll essentially be uh, those two characters, Giant Tim and Jonah Hill. I can't mind their actual character names. 
it's like Schmidt and yeah, who cares? Someone else, don't matter. But <laughs> but I think it'll be them basically recruited into the Men in Black, and that sounds really funny to me. <laughs> yeah, well, when you put it that way, it would be hilarious. Because it like if they're actually like if they had like Will Smith and Tommy Jones out, and they actually tried to make it like a proper crossover thing, I I think it would just seem messy. weird. But the fact that this is kind of just a Jump Street sequel, they're just going to take it that they they join the men in black and just because if they do a third jump street film and it's kind of just the same as the f- first two it'd get a bit tired and repetitive i mean they already did that in the second one but they made fun of the fact they were doing it but you can't really do that a third time yeah they've so, done that so well in the second one i know, I know. <laughs> so well but i don't think you really could do it a third time so if just to take a completely left field and just have them join the men in black <laughs> and it's kind of like a like a soft reboot then for men in black what I like as well about 21 and 22 Jump Street, especially at the end of 22 Jump Street when they're doing the like sort of gag uh, trailers for like future 21 Jump Street films or the franchise yeah. and stuff like that. What I like about it and what Lord, of Miller, what Lord and Miller have done with that sort of franchise is first of all, they've completely reimagined the TV series. I mean, like it's, it's only connected to the TV series and name alone. But they've made it that cookie and over the top that you kind of could go anywhere with it. So the fact yeah. that they're joining the Men in Black, it, it, it doesn't seem like that much a stretch because it doesn't necessarily have to be set in the real world. Like. Exactly. Because it is just more about the fucking shit that they get involved with. Yeah. I, I think, I, I like I like the fact too that I actually kind of prefer the fact that uh, Will Smith and Tommy Lee Jones aren't on it because yeah. I think there'd be too much sort of fighting for screen time then because what way are you going to go? You know what I mean? Are you going to just make it Men in Black 4, but just have sort of Channing Tatum and Jonah Hull, you know, tagging along for comic relief? Or are you going to go the yeah, other way well, and have it a comedy film with Emmons being like sort of straight men? Exactly. I don't, th- I don't think it will work. One duo is going to have to be the tag along yeah. if you do it that way. And you don't yeah. want that because, you don't want that because uh, Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith together are obviously amazing. And, you know, they've they done, well, I'd say they've done two good Men in Blacks. I don't sec. mind the third who one. Pl- who played young Tommy Lee Jones again? It's Josh uh, Brolin. Josh Brolin. He's good. It he is amazing. Incredible I ever saw, how does the become so lo- young looking? <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> Talk about why. <laughs> I know. There's <laughs> <a> technology. <laughs> <laughs> He's actually so good at it. Oh, it's class. So how do you know my name? <laughs> <laughs> but you wouldn't want, like Kivo was saying, uh, you wouldn't want one of those Jews having to take a back seat because I don't yeah. think it's fair because That's they're too talented. Good point, don't you? Yeah. So I think I the fact that I was skeptical when I thought that it was going to be Tommy Lee Jones and Will Smith, but now that they're not there and you're just actually using the Men in Black world, that's very interesting. I it's know a good it, word, it's a good place to kind of bring it because, like, the only logical step other than that is to like put them in space or something. <laughs> but that's bring space to them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but that's what I was kind of saying too because uh, Lord Miller have set up such a sort of you would say wacky set of characters and because like 21 and 22 Jones should have been that sort of over the top and that sort of referential and that sort of meta I think they literally could they, he, he could have one when they go to space you know yeah. what I mean he could like <laughs> but it, I didn't even think I'd be a hard push he could have one <laughs> he, I'm like I didn't even think I'd be they a hard push will go to space uh, they probably will go to space but I didn't even think I'd be a hard push if they done like a fucking bull and head one and they just like went back in time or some shit yeah. like that you know what I mean I think because they built up these two characters over two films now and people just enjoy those characters that you can pretty much just take them anywhere. Yeah. And be good. As long as Ice-T is there somehow. Well. <laughs> Ice-Cube. Ice-Racist. Ice racist. <laughs> There's ice in the name, Jesus Christ. Ice. 
how can I? As long as Vanilla Ice is there. (laughs) 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 Um, But yeah, so stemming off from that, I just kind of wanted to ask, is there any kind of like crossover films that you liked that you would like to see or anything like that? Because I was actually trying to think of when has there been crossovers in films and there. I can't really think of a lot. There's not a lot. There's there's Alien versus Predator. Uh, there's Freddy versus Jason. Yeah. yeah. Basically, it seems like more of a horror thing. But but because har- like horror films, they have the big bad, so you can just put two big bads in a film together, and that's yeah. it. it's. I, I mean, mean like, like Batman and Superman, kind of because that is a two... crossover film. Like. Yeah, but there's well the the whole the whole shared universe thing is crossover in, in a sense as well. I suppose. Yeah. It's 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 crossover, but obviously in a later form because I right. mean like, they all can exist in the same world anyway. To each other anyway. Whereas obviously when. Predator and Alien were kind of wrote. They were wrote separately by different writers in separate universes, and then it just kind of became convenient they put them together because they wanted to make money. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> well, so, that started off as a comic book and games, didn't it? Pre- Predator versus I think so. Uh, AVP Predator. and shit like that. I think so. Mm. I don't know. I'm not sure if the games came first, but either way, they were shite. So don't really matter. No, I'm pretty sure the games did come first, but I think they made it stand from a comic book. But I don't know. I think we doing crossovers and kind of going on the separate worlds and stuff like that. I think a lot of the times, especially when you look at shit that's been done in the horror genre, you know, with Alien Predator, with Freddy Jason and stuff like that, I think a lot of the times it's completely just done as a cash cow. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's just done because these are two... Cash I- grab. Cash grab. Yeah, racist. Cash cow. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> but, he called uh, me a racist there. Are, are cows expensive or something? I don't know. It's just a saying, I cash cow. I think cash cow because... I was, you probably get a lot of cash from a cow. Yeah. <laughs> so you can milk it until it's not milkable anymore and then sell it as steak. Just yeah. like we're doing with this reference. But, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Milking it for all it's good. But, uh. Is I, that what that expression means? <laughs> but you know, apparently, right? Th- just talking about cows, apparently, like, they, they, they don't use. You know, the cows that are, like, good for making milk? They, they're just, like, milk cows. They. Then when they just die, they die. They don't like sell their. Uh, oh they're, yeah, they're, of course. They're not meat cows. But th- what? Kind of seems kind of wasteful. Yeah, but Chardam, our, our our fair English butterfly that used to be on this podcast, and he's been on ages. But hopefully, he will make us triumph and return soon. He works on a farm, but it's only it's only milk cows. And then when they die, they just they, they just, just get rid of them. But I think that like I seen a chef. Um, I can't remember where he's from, but it was on. It was on a Netflix show where it was like five really like fucking amazing chefs. Oh, it's like chef's table. Chef's table, yeah. Yeah, and do you remember the guy who like uh, he lived in the place that had really rubbish weather in the middle of nowhere? So it's about in a, like uh, it's not it's like it's down the Andes in South America or something like that. And no, he's got these I think big it was massive in, like, Norway or something. Anyways. Oh no, not him. But I remember he him. Class. He was cool. But uh, uh, it was it was in Norway, but it was somewhere in like northern Europe that was quite harsh. So he was. Has was trying to like, you know, grow food that he can then like pickle and serve later. You know, like traditionally the way pe- people in that area live, but making it fine dining. But then he has was all about like sustainability. So he was using his cows for milk and meat, which I, I just didn't know they didn't do that. Thought that was crazy. Well, I think it's probably because the meat gets a bit tougher if they're older cows oh, yeah, and all air kind of crack. Yeah. So like. Uh, you have cows you specifically raise for meat. Like, you get, like, the Kobe beef ones where, like, they feed them beer and wheat or whatever. I don't know what it is. But, you know, you get specially made cow meat, basically. <laughs> okay, no, I know, but it just... Look, I like the idea of, like, 
you probably they she... probably do kind of just sell it off just as cheap meat cheap as well meat. i mean they, uh, they probably just don't bury the cow like you know what i mean they probably <laughs> do like yeah. sell it for what they can get for it but it's not Pri- it, uh, it's not good meat like I just thought it was very interesting. Sorry. Crossover. (laughs) But that is kind of a crossover. It is, I. Is it a milk cow? Is it a meat cow? Who knows? Both cow. Both cow. (laughs) (laughs) Multi cow. I meant to say as well, because you brought up Freddy versus Jason, do you know what the proposed sequel was supposed to be for that? Please don't tell me they're going to horse Michael Myers in there. No, it wasn't Michael Myers. It was Freddy versus Jason versus Ash. No way. Yeah, they were trying to get that going for a while. I do know there was talk as well. Fucking chucking Freddy Krueger in there for a while. Oh, really? Making it a bit interesting. Get inside fucking Jason's dreams. Oh, but well, th- that's Freddy and Jason. What? Freddy versus Jason. Freddy versus Jason. Aye. No, but there, two seconds. Who was actually against Jason? It wasn't Freddy, was it? Hey, it's Freddy versus Jason. <laughs> Oh, fuck, I completely misremembered it. <laughs> what are you talking no, about? Oh, there, what about... Oh, no, I'm thinking of the other fucking Jason film. Mine, the woman I go... Mine, that's so bad. Jason We're... X or <laughs> It's Jason Voorhees in space. It's oh, so no, bad. Yeah. Is, is that one of those Jason X? I can't, I can't even mind if that's the space one, but I know there's one where he's in space as well. That's fucking incredibly bad. But no, uh, but there's Freddy versus Jason. That's right. No, I remember that now. Sorry. I'm just, I'm just, I don't know what you're just kind of Just kind of confused there, Mickey. It's the heat in this tent. I've been sick all week. But, uh, but yeah, Freddy versus Jason versus Ash was going to be one of those. That would actually be kind of interesting just for the sheer nonsense premise of it. I know. It's like the, the campiness Ash would have brought to the whole affair. <laughs> Do you know what? The right sea wolf. Ash. From, from Evil, Evil Dead. Dead. Ah. Bruce Campbell. See, see in regards to uh, crossovers and stuff like that, though, I think, see if you've got very, very strong, iconic characters that you can kind of throw together, like Freddy Krueger and Jason, or, you know, like Alien and Predator, then I do, because you're always going to get the audience for it. The only thing is, is that with the sort of producers who throw these together, it's a very, very simple idea. They don't have to think about it that much. They can probably do it in a small enough budget because they know that they're going to get the people on, get the bums on seats, you know, just for the sheer idea of having these two characters fist off and these two universes kind of come together. Um, so you should at least think of doing a half-decent story or story that's going to pull people on. But the thing is, they don't need to do that. I mean, they can put up the fucking most rehashed piece of shit story because they know they're still going to make the money off it. And I think that in a very, very odd way, we Batman vs. Superman, which, in a way, is still a crossover, even though it's in the same universe and stuff like that, is that I think they tried to please the comic book fans too much, yeah. and they tried to please them that much that they kind of forgot that they were making a film that also started to be coherent and shouldn't have been that long and shouldn't have had that much shit thrown in there. They could have at least streamlined some of it. So... I think like any aspect of film making or any genre of film making it's a balance that you have to strike but with, with crossovers because the main spectacle is always going to be the fact that you've got these two characters or maybe a couple of characters who have never kind of fist off against each other before that's always going to draw people in mm. but don't forget that you still have a fucking story to build around that too. And don't forget that you still have to think about the other aspects of film that you would usually think about if you didn't have these two characters fisting off against each other. I think I think crossovers are just very easily derided and I can understand why they're easily derided because it's such a cheap marketing tactic a lot of the times. It can be lazy if it's not But but I mean done. I don't I don't think 
you say it can be lazy. I don't remember any other, and now, don't get me wrong, there's not that many crossover films, but I don't remember any crossover film that hasn't been lazy, except yeah. probably Batman vs Superman, but that also had its faults because they went the kind of complete opposite way. I think they tried to overthink it too much. You know what I mean? As opposed yeah. to being lazy. But... No, I just... I think I was thinking about Batman vs Superman and it's kind of off topic, but sure. Fuck it. <laughs> uh, I watched Sucker Punch last night and did not enjoy the film, but <laughs> the thing that kind of stood out for me is that, like, how long is Batman vs Superman? Like, two and a half hours or something? Yeah. And Sucker Punch is an hour 45. And there's a lot to get through in Sucker Punch. But it's like the first five minutes, you know, it's just like, oh, this happens, this happens, this happens. Like, he's flying through it. like, And it's it's actually done well how he kind of transitions through all the stuff. And even the throughout the whole film, man, like, he ha- basically all Sucker Punch is is just like five action set pieces that they string together through a thing but (laughs) no it's just they straight eye of the needle (laughs) (laughs) it's but the way the way they kind of just string it all together and they actually get through a lot in that hour 45 and it just shows that Zack Snyder can do that so I don't know why he was wasting his time doing all this different stuff in Batman v Superman see I don't I don't think that it actually comes down to the Zack Snyder I think with Sucker Punch it's an unknown title is it based on a comic book no, it was an original, Just original thing from Zack Snyder. Well, you look, I mean, Sucker Punch, original content, Zack Snyder's own wee passion project. Obviously, after Watchmen and after, uh, what else had I done before that, before Watchmen? 300. Ah, well, there you go. After Watchmen and 300, two fucking massive bits of box office, two hugely popular Watchmen films. Watchmen didn't make money, did it? Ah, but still, it's still done well. You know, it's still done very well. So, Watchmen, Watchmen done very, very well. Uh, 300 done phenomenally well. Nobody expected it to be that big. So then after he made those two films, obviously he was allowed the sort of free reign to do his own wee passion project. Don't sucker punch his own wee kind of original thing. There wasn't going to be many people, producers especially, kind of getting in and trying to uh, get involved with that or trying to say, oh no, maybe you should do this, maybe you should do that. But with Batman versus Superman, it's yeah, Batman versus fucking Superman. So yeah. every, like, I'm sure there was fucking a team of producers on there saying we need this we need that hey, her, her fucking dress that... should be that blue you know that <laughs> fucking that nailed on that pernickety in every sort of aspect of the direction but I think he just he could have kept up the piss of it I mean it just the, the thing with Batman versus Superman is so slow and then it just kind of picks up and then it just flies and it's just like you could balance that out and in Sucker Punch you can see that he can do that you know mm-hmm. what I mean but see for me, and, and maybe it's just the sort of... Maybe it's just me being a cynic, but the way I see it, when you have a production as big as Batman versus Superman, I really don't think that the director has as much a final say as what people might like they think that he does. Yeah, I think true. that even with stuff like the running team, I'm sure that maybe Zack Snyder a couple of times, or maybe some a lot of people at his team might have went and said, you know, this could be quicker, or we don't have to spend as much time on that. But no, on he, fil- I think he had like a four hour cut one. <laughs> With films that huge, I think it usually comes down to the producer. The producer is kind of, yeah. I think the main creative force, and they kind of just keep the director in check and tell him what he can and can't do. They don't get me wrong. I mean, he's the producer as well. He produced as well. Zack Snyder, yeah. Did he? Him and his wife. And Christopher Nolan was a producer too, wasn't it? Aye, but I think that's a very kind of... Aye, loose one. I think yeah. one executive producer, Aye. which means fuck all. It just I, means that we're I just going to attach our name to it to give I it think, gravitas. I think, I think that's... <laughs> <laughs> Aye, basically. What's <Want> some money? 
<laughs> I think that's a, just a carryover from Man of Steel because because it was Christopher Nolan and David S. Goyer that ha- had the original idea for Man of Steel. I think it was mostly David S. Goyer, but that's his name in there. Yep. Yeah, it was just I had a flash of being wrong there, but <laughs> but uh, I know it was. I think it was them that kind of like kind of put together the team then that eventually went on to do Man of Steel, and I think that was Nolan's involvement in the air. So I think it's just kind of like a carryover and do the next one then right, well, even though it's not really okay I don't know what I mean if Zack Snyder was one of the main producers then too then he's got no excuse <laughs> <laughs> I mean I, I didn't realise that he was a producer as well him and his wife I mean fair enough there would have been probably a team of sort of I know, more junior producers on there as well but if he was like sort of one of the main producers then I, he's like himself they blame that like <laughs> I mean no offence he's like but uh, bringing it back to crossovers I mind seeing it wasn't like a fall and fall. It was just like a wee fan made thing. But it was Batman versus Predator. It's pretty mm. cool. Ooh. You ever see that? That's fucking class. Yeah. It's only like fifteen minutes long. Uh, it's basically just a fight between them, like like nothing really. What's it called again? Batman Last Exit or something? Or No Exit or something like that? I can't even mind what it's actually called. It's on YouTube. But, it's uh, fucking brilliant. It's directed by like a makeup artist guy. Like that's why he has the Predator mask and yeah. all. Like, <laughs> yes. But no, yeah, it's really, it's cool. It's it's really cool because uh, he did like a fake trader, not a fake trader, but like a fan made trader thing for like a Batman versus Superman thing as well. But this is like years ago. Like I seen all this here, kind of guy. No, I mean I think I think it's one of those things too with crossovers, and we'll, we'll try to get wrapped up with because obviously I suppose we're probably having all the same points uh, over again. But I think the reason that you don't see a lot of crossovers is because I personally think, but there. Sorry, a bit of indigestion there. Uh, I think what it is with crossovers, and the reason that you probably don't see that many of them, is because I think that Hollywood, and producers especially, have kind of got wise to the fact that audiences have got wise, and more cynical. And I think that they know now, that audiences know, the crossovers are a bit naff, and they're just a very fucking easy way of doing a bit of like, money making. Like, they know that we know, that they know, Aye. that we know, <laughs> yeah. that they know. They fucking know what they know. They know. We know that they know. (laughs) (laughs) But I think it's just one of those things that, yeah, I think they realise that we've all become very, very cynical, and it just doesn't really work as well anymore. I mean, because obviously, if you look back to the B movies years ago when you used to have Godzilla against Mothra and stuff like that, that was big and stupid and fun. Oh. That's another one. They're they're going to do Godzilla versus King Kong again. See that that does sound interesting, but I think the only reason that that works is because that is an homage to the fifties B movies, and if they Damn. can get that, and as well, it doesn't seem like it's it's crowbarred in any way because obviously Godzilla has been rebooted recently. Fair enough, King Kong was done about fucking ten years ago, but it's still fresh in people's no, memories. No, they're doing a, a they're Are doing they... Skull Island. That's right. That's got a huge cast as well. Ah, it's like fucking Loki. We call him Tom, Tom Hiddleston. Tom Hiddleston yeah. and. Mike, um, Michael Keaton was a part of it. I'm not sure if he still is, but I think like Jessica Chastain's in there. It does. It has because I remember checking recently on IMDb, but it does have a very very big cast. But I mean, that doesn't seem crowbar because both of those franchises have just been rebooted recently, and because it has an homage to, as I say, the sort of classic B movie thing, that can work, and I think it can work too because at the end of the day, it's just two big fucking huge monsters fighting against each other, and it's as simplistic as you want and it's just going to be pure action you know you're not going to have to fucking think about it too much it'll just does what it says in the tin I think the danger will are crossovers especially crossovers that doesn't involve just two big huge fucking monsters battling off each other and fucking destroying a city 
is that you have to put a bit of thought on it, but a lot of times that thought doesn't go on it. You know what I mean? Yeah. And both characters then become deluded because neither of them is the main focus, and you don't really know where the film's going. I don't know. That's my opinion. Brie Larson is in Skull Island. I don't know why I said Jessica. Jones. Beautiful lady. Samuel Jackson, John Goodman, John C. Riley. Nearly going to break out my John C. Riley, but I'm not going to try it. Go on, try it. Give me a John C. Riley. No, because as I said before, like it's an impression of an impression. Because there's this guy, fuck what he called him again, the guy that does the nano impressions. Russell Quarren, there's one? That's probably completely wrong. He's the walking dead, I know. Hi. <laughs> well, there's this guy on YouTube that does nano impressions, and just his impression of John C. Riley is John C. Riley using a word he's 70% knows what it means. So he's. <laughs> So it's like, uh, I don't want to be hyperbolic or nothing, but... I was wrecking Rolf. That pretty much is. <laughs> Ross Marquand. Ross Marquand. I think that's what Ross... Ross or Russ? <laughs> Ross Sounds Ross. right, anyway. Sounds right. I guess Ross, yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, crossovers. I think they They're... should do a Pokemon Lord of the Rings. Oh, that's oh, good. That's amazing. Just like, I know Lord like... of the Rings is like wrapped up. So maybe they could make it into a game where, like, because uh, they're both on, like, journeys. It's, like, journeys. And, uh, like, Frodo bangs on the ash. And then, like, Frodo's, <laughs> oh <my>. like... Hi. <laughs> Frodo bangs ash. <laughs> no, Want to see my Pokeballs? No, you need... You don't just start with that. You need to build up the romance. But, uh, <laughs> oh, you know, but I'm I just thinking like Sam would be fucking raging. <laughs> <laughs> He I has knows to be seriously at a joke. I would love to see some like, I don't know, realistically animated Pokemon in like a Lord of the Rings world. <laughs> That'd be pretty cool, I, like Pikachu, but done by like fucking what do you call him, Wingnut? But he looks like Gollum esque. Yeah. <laughs> you know I mean? Wingnut. What do you call him? No, what do you what do you call the uh, what do you call Peter Jackson's special effects? Please. Oh fuck! It is Wingnut, on the No, Wing. Um, this is going on right now. I'm not sure it's Wingnut. I think I'm right. Anyway, continue, Kiva. Well, I don't know. I think it... I, I don't know. I, I think it would be fun. Weta. Weta. Where Why, am I going? Wingnut is something, though. It is like a like a production company they have or something uh, like that, though. I'm not sure it is. But yeah, Weta is the special. Weta. That's the one. Um, That'd be horrifying, though. Just yeah, big, it would be super horrifying. A big realistic fucking Charizard. Then, like, on, on the side of like <laughs> uh, Sorrowman is Team Rocket. Just them two all they're they're like I'm talking like old school Pokemon here, yeah. so still James and Meowth and they're Meowth uh, just shitting out coins in the back. Yeah, he can't talk. It's not it's Aye. too unrealistic if he can talk. Um, Who now stands against the might of Sauron and Saruman and Team Rocket? Blast <laughs> up at the speed of light, surrender now for fear. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, I think that'd be a good that'd be fucking absolutely <laughs> incredible. Get all the Peter Jackson immediately. If you ever create a Pokemon, get all the him as well. I'm a or her. Or her. Be- I'm not just assuming it was a man who created Song Good. I think Use it was like a, a huge team of Say people. Nintendo. What? I think it was like a huge team of people. Yeah, fair play to everyone. Huh? They created a phenomenal. Like, so, like, who had the original concept or anything? I don't know. Oh, but so I must find out because I want to buy his rights and make this. Happen. Well, so Nintendo has the rights to Pokemon, isn't it? They could do. Do they? They do all the games. Nintendo but own it, everything. No, they don't. Nintendo they were like very Apple. <laughs> Nintendo were like Apple, aren't they? Sure. I wish they were, though. It's kind of sad that Nintendo aren't relevant anymore. 
They're they're coming back. They're coming out with a new console, the NX. It's going to be groundbreaking. As it though. Well, so they say. <laughs> <laughs> but honestly, when was the last time they had a really good console? The GameCube was good. No, well, the the Wii was fucking groundbreaking. I mean, that's yeah, that's like one Wii. of the biggest selling consoles ever. Like. Ah, but it's just about boring. Like but, yeah, after after doing a couple of rounds, game and day like the the family. Yeah. I know, like after doing a couple of rounds of fucking tennis, no either. You're like right, okay. No, but it's, it's give me a PS2. <laughs> <laughs> you always go back to the PS2. I love a PS2. But uh, no, the the Wii was nearly kind of like a gateway drug in the gaming though, because like people that might have that are a bit younger that just started off with the Wii, they actually they became gamers and got like a PS3 then or. In this new generation, got a PS4 and Xbox One, and spoiled me fuckers. They're <laughs> they they developed and the more serious gamers from the family fun version of Wii. You know what I mean? So it's kind of like a gateway yeah. in the s- hardcore game. I suppose they have kind of because I always assumed. No, I'm not a huge gamer, but I've always been kind of interested in gaming history. And when I was growing up, and maybe it was just a misconception of myself because obviously, the PlayStation One, the PlayStation Two, was always the console when you were growing up and then the GameCube was always kind of forgotten about but yeah, then the GameCube didn't sell long yeah but, it, but it's weird was better than GameCube yeah but it's weird because now apparently in hindsight what I've kind of read from all these sort of gaming gurus and stuff apparently the GameCube now in like the past 10 years has been completely revised and even though it doesn't sell well apparently it's considered like a really good fucking console I know it's it was it was all it was always considered like a good console it had good games on it and like, so, uh, Super Smash Bros, I think it was Melee on the GameCube, but that's the, like, the preferred option for, like, Super Smash Bros, like, tournaments and stuff, and even the GameCube controller is the, it's essentially a Super Smash Bros controller now, that's, that's what people like to play with, like, the professional, like, proper people that do it as a living kind of thing, that's what they play with, and they bring out they they're still bringing out GameCube controllers just so people can play Smash Bros on it. So good. So there's a film about those professional gamers. Can't remember what it's called. Sad bastards. The movie. No, <laughs> like, it actually it's it's, it's, serious it's, it's it's like a grim and sight and they like like literally so they like work as a t- you join like a team, um and it's like it's essentially like it is like a sports team but so you're owned and managed and you get a wage and they literally you know the way like. Football teams go train and practice and you can't wait for playing video games. Literally, literally, literally just shove them and like they all live in the one apartment and they make them game for like twelve hours a day. Jeez. And they're just like not even like chatting to each other. You know what I mean? But still getting paid to play video games, that's phenomenal. I really went down the wrong fucking path. But it but seems like them, it seems like it, it it's not as easy money as you think. I think it's like definitely sucking on the social aspect of someone's life. Yeah. Mickey, by the I way, you need to be, I passed a level of Pac-Man once. Really? Just, just saying. Like. <laughs> even, I've like, never Jesus, passed a level Jesus, of Pac-Man. Even, I don't know I Jesus, even, <laughs> even that was impressive. The Mickey just shows how little he considers my fucking gaming prowess. No, it just shows how bad I am at games. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, since we're going on a bit of gaming history here, I'll keep on going. <laughs> no, because you brought up the N64 as well. The, the N64 was the most powerful console at the time. When it was out, like with the PS One and stuff, but what the PS what was special about the first PlayStation is that that was on discs, discs, so it was easier for people to manufacture. It was easier and cheaper to manufacture discs and actually make the games on discs uh, rather than on cartridges because Nintendo had a kind of whole racket with the cartridge that 
basically the game developers had to pay them for the cartridge they put it on their system kind of and then cartridges were super expensive and so it was Nintendo was kind of running the whole show for so long, and then PlayStation it's came like a out. Monopoly. Yeah, basically, and then PlayStation came out with the discs, and it was, that's why you got so like so many weird kind of different games on the PlayStation because it just opened up this whole new yeah. aspect of gaming. No, oh, the more you know, <laughs> I like that. Maybe you should do a gaming podcast yourself. Maybe like I should. Can <laughs> <laughs> you break for a couple weeks? Like, I don't. I don't play enough games. I do. You love games. I like them, but I don't play enough. Play the game of life every day, man. That's why I need to shop with them. <laughs> <laughs> Can't afford games. Well, you are saving for a wedding, Michael. No, no. Which has just passed under a year now. Ooh. Ooh. Why did I go on to like spooky? <laughs> <laughs> See, shaking himself. Because <laughs> it's terrifying. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, are we going to do that idea that you had of doing a live podcast from your wedding? Possible. I'm sitting there <laughs> anyway, even if there's no mic. <laughs> well, it'd be the day after because we normally record. Start Friday, recording so. after my speech because that's gonna be a disaster. <laughs> <laughs> She'll be blocked by then. I don't know. I says, I says to myself, I'll keep myself the two pints before the speech, but I know for a fact that's a load of bull. Oh, you need a bit more Dutch courage than that. No, see, I don't really mind. I, I, I don't really get nervous with public speaking or shit like that. There, the reason that I'll be kind of keep myself the. Just two pints because I'm gonna be up there slurring my words and like a fucking tit. You know what yeah. I mean? Because uh, yeah. I've done a best man speech before and it went okay. Never in my life did I think when I was doing a best man speech that the very famous and ignorant chant USA USA would come and it, but it did. <laughs> and it was an off the cuff sort of thing. I did, well, it's it's. I'm not even going there. I had American relatives there. That's that's pretty much what it was. <laughs> that's all you really need to know. They flew in. They flew in for the win. I was thanking them for coming. What was really funny about that speech though, because I was at the wedding where Sham was the best man, and he's he was you were kind of talking about your speech all day, and you were kind of like, "I've it down to like a solid five minutes or something." I guess here is like tight three, I, I, or whatever <laughs> it was. You, know, you don't want to go on too long, but the the two dads of like the the bride and groom talked first, and they were like literally like a couple of sentences, so you could see Shan stand up and kind of be taken aback by how quick they were <laughs> or right, I'm just going to try and pile through this now <laughs> <laughs> because like you throw one e- half your notes uh, away you could have easily just done the same speech and not say anything but you have these like oh, uh, I'll just fucking no, do you know what it was? Right? Like, <laughs> do you know what it was I think that maybe my family are a family of few words so fuck knows what happened to me I, th- I think I've just I, I try and you, speak for everyone you've absorbed all the I, words I think I've absorbed all the words from but they're a family of few words, so the whole day my granny was saying to me, only make your speech about a minute or less than a minute or something like that there, don't be talking for too long, because people want to get their dinner and stuff like that, and I was like, I right, okay, well, maybe not under a fucking minute, that's a best man speech, but <laughs> maybe two or three minutes, I think that'll be okay. She's all, no, don't even bother, don't even bother, and then my mum was all, I just make sure you keep that shirt on and stuff like that. I was like, Jesus I would have been raging. But I was all... I thought, Jesus like fucking this Christ. Is, this that's is the day of your game? speech. It's your day. No, it's, it's there. It's, 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 <laughs> <laughs> well, it was my day. It was a cracking speech and I fucking scrap it the last minute. But uh, then, like you said, like the two dads went up to speak. And my granda, who is a man of the fewest words ever, <laughs> he literally stood up and said, great day today. Hope you all enjoy yourselves. Sat down again. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it was like, come on. Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. My, my dad at my brother's wedding... Because uh, the bride's dad talked first, and he he went on a good while, like, and kind of thank everybody and tell me stories and all this here. So my dad got up, 
basically slagged off her dad <laughs> just said oh, well mine's isn't going to be as long as that and then he just said it's a great day party on never said they spark a joint up at the fucking bright table <laughs> <laughs> although he already had that going like. <laughs> he was really blazing uh, <laughs> that's so good but uh, I know I, he says he's going to do something longer for my sisters I think I'm just going to get the party on though at my oh I'm at the city too but your sister's wedding's in August yes am I in any way invited I, I I could probably sneak you in there, Nick. You know I mean? we, we, we plus one. I think you've you've been dropping that many hints around her, and you know that she <laughs> listens to this podcast. So. Oh, uh, oh, she's that's right. I forgot. <laughs> Trish, <laughs> am I coming? <laughs> but I not. Say, like, that's just creepy. Uh, that is actually. I, I rescind that, Trish. I don't mean that. Can I come to your wedding? I mean, that's what I mean. But uh, no, the, the reason being too is because uh, I just I deserve to be there. I've been the only person who's stuck by all these years besides Jill. So why, why why wouldn't I go? Why can't I be your plus one? Because I don't have a you... plus one. Why do you have to take Jill? <laughs> because she's my wife. <laughs> <laughs> can't I just leave Jill in the house once? <laughs> no. <laughs> Fuck's sake, mate. <laughs> she's she's going to the Hindu. She needs to go to the wedding. Where is the Hindu, by the way? Oh, I'm not allowed to say because it's a secret. Ah, uh, <laughs> oh fuck with her. Actually, I'm just remembering two years away in that stag now. About two weeks, ain't it? Oh yeah, lucky bastard, Berlin. Going to Berlin. Scammed. My favorite place on earth. Um, You're getting to go there. Well, you can go there as well. Ah, <laughs> don't have any money, mate. <laughs> oh, is that what Pay I went? For me. <laughs> Actually, a boy dropped out and he paid for his flight, so you know you could swoop on there if you want. What? Me and Chad just looked at each other. Me and Keeble split up. You serious? So a boy pulled out, uh, but he still had the flights. I know he paid for, but it, it was like his work or something. So, so you would just need to pay for a name change. What would need to be paid for a name change? And then like accommodations. Mo- how much is accommodation? Seventy-five euro. My word, this is Have very, very, very enticing. <laughs> of a man I barely know. <laughs> no, do you know him? I know Ruben. Me and him get on well. I know it's like I've I, said hello to him a few you, times. You, no, but I, I've always maintained you and Ruben are kind of like you. You should be best friends. It's a strange. <laughs> it is a strange one. You don't really know each other. We should be best friends because me and Ruben, from what I've heard, have a ridiculous amount of similar interests. And you know all the same people. And we're both really good looking. But like, but it's, it's a strange yeah. thing. Do you not think Ruben's good looking? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, what was I going to say though? Aye, and then we've got like a lot of like similar friends and stuff like that too. Mm. So it is an odd one. We'll become best friends enough when I go on a stag day. When you, go, when you just show up in the stag day. <laughs> Hi, Ruben. Go on, go on actually go. Because Wait, like a no, t-shirt of Ruben's nobody... face on and all. <laughs> <laughs> no one else is wearing a t-shirt. Like... I had this before the stag. <laughs> I've been waiting for a chance to wear this. Um, I know, go on actually go because no one I know is going. I would Heron ask... dropped out and Dennis Heron... Oh no, Heron can't out. travel now. I know, I know. That's an... oh, <laughs> I'm saying he dropped out, but like, he can't. <laughs> I would not, do you know what? I would absolutely love to go, but I really... Honestly, I don't think I can afford the accommodation and the name change. But if I can, I'll be the first man in that plane. Oh, yeah. Give me two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Give me two weeks and we get all the money. I'm not going to say uh, where I'm going to get this money from. We're, we're leaving in two weeks. <laughs> oh, fuck right. Give two me a weeks week. time, we'll be there. Give me a week. <laughs> Let me try and throw this money together. <laughs> okay, we'll move on to recommendations. We <laughs> looking at me as well. Like, Give me a week to throw this money together. Then you sat staring at me as if I was immediately going to get in the phone and try and get the fucking money up. No, because I was just thinking, are you just going to like steal something and sell it? 
Just start stealing games like you were proposing earlier on, man. You know, yeah, sell them on the market. Or just give them to me. Or just give them to you. You can sell them. You can split them 50 50. No, or 60 40, actually. Play them. Oh, you want to play them? Well, how, how am I going to make a profit them. off that? Mm. Well, that's what I'm saying. I'm trying, to <laughs> 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 I'm trying to steal these games. They try and get in that flight. They steal more you know than me? one copy. You think fucking Ruben would sell his old mucker out? Like, you know what I mean? I don't know. Well, that's that's mucker. You think he would take it out of a low Eden fund? <laughs> Slap it down there and say, Sham, one, let's go. It's only, co- it's only like 100 quid or something. Oh, is that all, eh? I don't know. See, when you're not <laughs> all making it, it's like a million pounds. <laughs> Aye, so recommendations. <laughs> uh, Kiva, do you have a recommendation? I have a recommendation. Um, I hope I didn't say this before. Um, the Secret World of Ariati. Nope. nope. Uh, well, okay, it's 2010. It's an animated film, and it's a reimagining of The Borrowers. Oh. oh. Um, so... Uh, if you don't know what the borrowers are, they're like little tiny people that like live in the walls of your house and like make baths out of thimbles and stuff. Um, this actually happens. Yeah, no, it's real. That is it. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, this this one is just based on reality. Um, uh, yeah, it's very good. Uh, very visually stunning. And it's also got a lovely relationship between the normal adult not adult is young the normal normal human size young man and the tiny 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 um ariati sized girl whose name is ariati <laughs> <laughs> and her second name is clock <laughs> or clocks ariati or clock I, her family's is like clocks ariati it's clock. class they have like a wee i don't know how they, like they have like a wee fucking tiny oven and all it's class it's great it's good Obviously. if you like, like dollhouses and shit. What, <laughs> what do you reckon, Mickey? Is Ariati Clock up there with the best names? Is it up there with John Book? See, I immediately went to John Book. <laughs> I don't think anything's beaten John Book. No, no one's beaten John Book yet. <laughs> uh, but Clark. yeah, it's very nice. Uh, I don't know how long it is. I can't remember. But it, you could just watch it forever. It's Boom. And it's Ghibli, of course. Yeah. Yeah. And dubbed by Disney, so. Yeah. Dubstep. Ex- accessible. <laughs> Michael? Uh, my recommendation is Don John. Yeah. Sex John? film. Don John. Don John. Don or Dungeon. Don. May as well just be called. Uh, it's, it's Dungeon. <laughs> 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 He's saying Dungeon, they're really weird voices. <laughs> like. Don Juan. Dungeon, they're really sort of semi-racist fucking Hispanic voice. Hey, that's that's what you said. <laughs> I didn't say that. And all friends, so Don John. <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to no way in <laughs> Every time I say a title that film now, I'm going to thank Dungeon. So but what Don, is it? Don John. Oh. Uh, can't so get away from Dungeon. D-O-N, J-O-N. Got it. No. Two separate words. It's good because I couldn't spell Dungeon. <laughs> Don John. Don John. That's awful. Um, it's, uh, it's I ju- thought you were saying Dungeon. <laughs> Don... <laughs> <laughs> Anything you're going to say in there, it's hilarious. Don, Don John. <laughs> it's uh, it stars uh, Jogo Levitt, also written and directed by Jogo Levitt, well, his boy. first directorial debut. And um, it's about he plays Don John. Should be called Dong John, am I right? <laughs> Sex film. But uh, yeah, he plays Don John, that he's. He's just this, he's this kind of Jersey guy, like he works out, he's very tan, goes out, bangs a girl every night kind of thing. 
That's pretty much the film. <laughs> Even talking about casual sex, you sound uncomfortable. I know. <laughs> he goes out and he does <laughs> sex. <laughs> he does sex things. Sexes. But he only has sex with tens. He never he never goes below a ten. Scarjo is obviously a ten, like. Oh hell oh, yeah. yeah. She is probably the biggest ten there is. She's she's pushing it to eleven. Yep. Spell that one. Aye, <laughs> uh, so it's it's just about uh, Don John and he meets uh, Scarlett Johansson. I can't remember her name in the film, but it's the whole thing of the film is it's just kind of showing the different perceptions of reality that people have. Like he like he's going out and banging birds every night, but then he still really loves porn. And he's kind of obsessed with porn, and he and he explains in the film why porn is better than sex, and then it. I don't think the film ever gets this across fully, but he he tries to present in the other side of Scarlett Johansson's character that she really loves like romantic comedies and just romance films, and that's kind of her fantasy, and his fantasy is porn. porn. <laughs> so it's kind of just them develop the them getting into this relationship and then she catches him watching porn and then she's it's a whole big thing but i don't know it's kind of hard to describe this film i'm fine <laughs> couldn't even get past the title <laughs> <laughs> but no it's it's just basically him going through this relationship with scarlett johansson and just doing a bit of self-discovery you know fi- finding himself a bit maybe learning a bit more about why he's he's in the porn and I don't know. I don't really give a fuck. <laughs> if you want to watch porn, but like not be bl- not kind of be sitting watching porn, just watch Don John. Is there some full on sex scenes in there? There no. Well, there's proper porn bits in it. Like. Really? Have you never seen Don John? No. Oh yeah, they like they, they proper show you like clips of porn. Really? Yeah. Like proper like penetration and everything. Well, no, they don't show penetration. Well, they, not interested. <laughs> Sorry, gay. You hooked me in there. But no, yeah, it's, it's it's a comedy. Like, I mean, it's it's funny. It's just like it's just it's actually just funny just seeing Jugo Levitt just be this kind of Jersey boy kind of yeah. thing. Because he's he got really built, he got really built in all thirty. Actually, looks quite different. Doesn't I it? see he's got the the sort of typical buzz cut and stuff too. <laughs> Does he have the the sort of orange glue tan? Yeah, oh, I love it. Oh, I'm fucking. Who plays his dad in it as well? Tony, who's the boss? Yeah. Oh, Tony Danza? Tony Danza is his dad. (laughs) And he's the best fucking dad. (laughs) It's it's actually the best person to play Joe Levitt's dad. He's actually amazing in it. That's fucking absolutely classic. (laughs) It's so good. (laughs) But yeah, it's a a really funny film. And, uh, you know, it's... uh, There's just some interesting stuff in there as well. I can't really describe it, but it's good. All right, son. Probably on Netflix. Dungeon. Dungeon. But uh, <laughs> my recommendation is Look on Frederick, 2009, uh, directed by Ken Loach, who, it's, it's sort of weird because Ken Loach is sort of renowned as being like the innovator of like the kitchen sink drama in like the 60s and 70s in, uh, in Britain, you know, with films like uh, Kez and, and stuff like that, you know, stuff that basically showed like working class life for the first time. And this kind of definitely harks back to, to those earlier films. Essentially, what Lock and Frederick's about is it is about a small sort of community in I'm not sure if it's Salford, but it's 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 in Manchester anyway. And we have a postman who is obsessed with Eric Kentner. I have a postman as well. Do you? Eh? <laughs> 
the main character is a postman. Uh, I can't mind what the postman's name. I think actually the postman's name's Steve, but he's obsessed with Eric Cantona. You know the the former Manchester United footballer, and then because his life's went to shit and his wife's left him and he doesn't really have anywhere to go and he's not really happy in his work and his one obsession's football and, and Eric Kentner because he's going through his nervous breakdown Eric Kentner then just starts appearing to him and becomes his life coach and it's just a brilliant film I think personally for me because Eric Kentner is personally my favourite footballer of all time it had a, a seriously bigger effect but even if they'd used any footballer I think it just really would have worked I think it was just an extra bonus for me because yeah. I've got that sort of uh, connection to it. But what I love about it is that it's very funny, but then it can also be darkly funny. And I think that it's probably just Ken Loach being Ken Loach because he's a master of like sort of not only kitchen sink dramas, which look at these sort of real life events that happen, they work in class people, but he's also a master of like balancing tones. So you can go from you know, a couple of boys sitting about in their living room drinking a couple of cans and having a laugh and talking about football, which, you know, happens in the film. The, these really dark moments and depressive moments that kind of show the underbelly of working class life and, you know, what kind of poverty does to people or where it kind of drives people into crime and shit like that. There. And he's always been a master of that. But then, even just to see Eric Kenna act as this sort of, like, I wouldn't say muse, but like this... Uh, what would what, what be the word I'm looking for? Jiminy Cricket. Uh, Jiminy Cricket. <laughs> I, they see her at Kentley just act as this uh, sort of life coach and, and just help yeah. him along and spiritual stuff like that. Guide. I, I, a spiritual guide. I, a spiritual guide. Fairy Godmother. A fairy Godmother. A fairy Godmother on his quest. He just kind of feel good again and feel good about his life and get his life back on track. It's it's class because it works as a drama. It works as a comedy. It's great to see her at Kentley act, which he can do. Because he used to get a lot of flack about not being able to act. But that was through Sumbleton's who'd never seen a performance of his. And it's just very, very poignant and sweet. Because I think that it taps on the song that we all have. It taps on the, the sort of hero worship. But it doesn't sort of look at it in a cynical way. It doesn't say, like, oh, you shouldn't worship your heroes. I think it kind of points to the fact that people, especially people who love maybe working class lives. Or, you know, have maybe not the best circumstances need hero worship sometimes or, or need these sort of idols they kind of get them through and Eric Kemna acts like that to uh, the main characters throughout the whole film and it's 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 nice it's, it's just a nice look at, at how people who we've never met before uh, but we love can kind of inspire us I suppose and, and make life better even when it's it's not going that wealthy it's good though I heard it's one of Ruben's favorite films as well. Is it really? No, I just made that. Oh! Up. It, probably, it probably is though. I mean, he's a big Manchester United fan. Ruben, let's be best friends. <laughs> <laughs> okay, we'll wrap it up there, folks. Thank you so much for listening. If you like, get in contact with us. You know, if you want to go to my sister's wedding, write in. We'll see. <laughs> or there's a there's a place on the stag, dude. <laughs> Yeah, there is a there is a place open. You know, maybe we should give that away as like a prize. <laughs> do the competition. You should do that for your stag, do you? I well, we're just going to a field or a secret nuclear bunker. I decided it. That's right. I, <laughs> I, me and Mike have been trying to decide what they do for like a stag do because obviously as the best man, I traditionally sort of have to organize it. And Mickey originally was up, I just kind of want to feel them when I go on. I was like, right, I'm so good. And then I was like, oh, what about Berlin? Because it's like both our favourite place. We love Berlin. And then we were talking about the kind of usual ones like Prague and stuff like that. And Mickey came up to me the other day and he was up, no, do you know what? There's actually a uh, secret nuclear bunker in Essex. Do you want to go there instead? 
But then, literally about three hours later, he was all, I checked it out, it looks shit. <laughs> it's just like a tourist spot. Like, they have like a canteen and stuff. It's bullshit. Uh, well, what did you expect? They were just going to give us free rain in that bunker? Uh, there is like a bunker in Ireland. <laughs> like, close to us. Like, somewhere in Donegal. Is it like deserted? I yeah. kind of wanted it to be yeah. a bit freaky. Like. I've yeah, been there. Be it weird. is freaky. Is it? I? Yeah. What's that then? Can you rent it out and stay there? Well, no, we just cl- climbed over a fence. Oh, There's yeah. no one there. Oh, okay. There's loads of fucking sheep. <laughs> the sheep might do us on them. <laughs> the sheep might get us. There is a lot of it is a bit <coughs> grotty and like sheep poo covered. Oh, I'm okay with sheep poo. Yeah, don't really mind. We're not posh. I'll ask Nikki where it is so you can Google it. Like, awesome. it is a we'll give it a go. I... Also, uh, b- before Mickey goes on to, uh, if you find Don John funny, please write on. <laughs> <laughs> if, you, if you find it massively racist, please write on. <laughs> Um, oh, I was trying to be. Re- oh, you were, Kiva. I was not. I thought you were saying dungeon. Really I don't, weird. <laughs> I don't think anyone's ever trying to be racist. <laughs> oh yeah, yes, like, I am racist, but I wasn't trying to be racist. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go against that. The Nazis, Mickey. <laughs> but they weren't trying to be racist. Oh, they were that's just not racist. Were. <laughs> they just were racist. How else was I get your point though? Yeah. They weren't trying because they already are. Aye. All right, okay, fair enough. Then. That's actually a good point. <laughs> 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 um, okay, something. you can find us on Facebook, uh, Let's Talk More Movies Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Talk More Movies, or you can email us, Let's Talk More Movies at gmail.com. You can also leave us comments, reviews on iTunes, Acast, and Stitcher Radio. I've been your host, Michael Breslin. Shankos, Miss Shankoyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep it swinging, keep it swinging. Episode 51. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. (laughs) I thought you were going to say something. No. I was I thought what was wrong? Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.